Good evening and welcome to the October 13, 2016 meeting of the Board of Trustees. We've just returned from closed session. I have a few announcements to make. Begin with the board approved full-time employment for Director of Student Health Services, classified administrator, temporary categorically funded, and Nancy Tamarisk. She's not here. Trustee Mancuso excused her, recused herself as a, from the vote as being a personal friend. Uh, the vote was uh, unanimous. His start date, uh, October 17, 2016, end date June 30, 2017, step placement range 16, step C on the administrative confidential salary schedule. Thank you very much. The board is pleased to announce the approval and ratification of full-time employment for the position of academic administrator, dean instruction and academic support, Maria L. Gomez. Start date to be determined. <laughs> End date June 30th, 2017. Step placement range 19, step B on the administrative confidential salary schedule, plus a 10 year longevity increment. Thank you and congratulations. It's a unanimous vote with the recusal of Trustee Martinson, Amy, personal friendship. The board is pleased to announce the approval ratification of full-time employment, academic administrator, dean, career technical education and workforce development. She's trying to ignore me now. Diana Shabodi. Start date to be determined. End date, June 30th, 2017, step placement, range 19, step C on the administrative confidential salary schedule, plus 10-year and 15-year longevity increments. Congratulations. And that, that doesn't mean for either one of you that because you don't have a start date that you can back out. So that's <laughs> off the table. Thank you. That concludes the announcements from... Was, um, excuse me, was the final vote also unanimous? Yes, on uh, Diana Shabota, yes. No recuse. That's correct. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. So that now concludes the announcements from closed session. Uh, we're moving to... 5.2, Pledge of Allegiance, and I'll ask Trustee Martinson to lead us, please. Amy? Thank you. Moving to the adoption of the agenda, 
we will make the following changes, and that is to move item 10.4 to follow 6.1 public comment. Rob Weiss, executive director, is here to present on Mentos. The other uh, change is to revise item 11.7, International Education Study Abroad Program, to only address the travel. The courses were previously approved by the board during the normal course of curriculum development. We're hearing that. Uh, we will... No, it, we, acceptance is uh, consent, so it, the uh, no objections. The agenda is adopted. Thank you. So moving to 6, uh, 6.1. This is the public comment and guidelines uh, for the public comments. At this time, the board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes or comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the Board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the Board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future Board agenda. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Or should speakers expect to receive dialogue or responses at this time? Individuals will be limited to a five-minute presentation. And at this time, as board chair, I will pull those in attendance regarding their intent to speak on any item on the, uh, not on the agenda. And I have uh, one card. Is there any others? Early. Uh, the card I have is Diana Shabodian, public comment. So I'm actually um, passing out my business card that I've had for the last three years um, because I won't need them for much longer. <laughs> and But I, what I wanted to do is thank the board and, and Ron for um, signing off on my grant with the chancellor's office and allowing me to do the work with the Strong Workforce Task Force and with the Strong Workforce implementation that I've been doing with Vice Chancellor Vontan Quinlevon for the last three years. Um, and to, to say thank you for that opportunity, it has been amazing. And if you have ever had the opportunity to meet the Vice Chancellor Von Tanquinlan, she's <laughs> got a good name, I love it. Um, I, I, I think that you will find her to be quite an amazing presence, and she has created systematic, systemic change within our system during her time at the Chancellor's Office. And it was an amazing learning opportunity, and I appreciate your approval all those times. You might not have even known what that grant was for, but now you know there's a little card, um, which you can promptly throw away. But um, I have extras. So I just wanted to thank you for that opportunity and for approving those grants and allowing me to do that work. Thanks. Thank you very much. I also have just been given a speaker card for... Professor Forrest Quinlan, Ph.D., Chemistry. I just want to say I really like working here, and I've always wanted to do a public comment, so there you go. That's it. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you very much. Hi, 
have to take chemistry again just to have Is there anyone else uh, desiring to address the Board of Trustees? I hereby close the public comment section. And we'll move to the, the uh, I'll turn it over to my colleague, Kyle Iverson, on 10.4, which has now been reordered. Tonight we have the opportunity to have uh, Mr. Rob Weiss present on Mentis, and uh, I've met with him, and I'm uh, very excited about what Mentis does in the community with mental health, and uh, Rob's going to give us a little presentation on it this evening and share some of that information with the board. Good evening, everybody. Pleasure to be here. I'm waiting for our PowerPoint to go up on screen. There we go. Okay. Well, I'm just going to give you an overview of Mentis, and then I'll take any questions you may have. Mentis, we recently changed our name about a year ago. Some of you may have known us as Family Service of Napa Valley, and with good reason, we are the oldest nonprofit in Napa County, over 60 years old. But we are now Mentis. And we have not changed our focus and our mission. We are still a professional bilingual provider of mental health services throughout all of Napa County to all ages, stages, and income levels. Our real focus and our belief at Mentis is to equip our residents in this county with the tools they need to live emotionally healthy and stable lives because that creates a community of enduring strength. And that's what this is really about, is making Napa County a stronger, healthier place to live for the people who reside here. Okay, some facts about the agency. As I said, we are over 60 years old. Last year, we served about 775 people. I expect uh, in the current fiscal year that we're Early in, the number will probably be about 850 heading up uh, toward 1,000 in the, in the next couple of years due to the, to the demand for our service, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Approximately 50% of our clients are Latino, which means most of those folks prefer or require services in Spanish. So we have a, a strong bilingual staffing component at our agency. Over 90% of our clients are extremely low or low income, individuals and families. And we are the only provider of mental health services to the uninsured in this county. So we work with people who are low income, insured, uninsured, but we're the only one who will accept uh, folks that have no coverage. As I said, our services are offered in both English and Spanish throughout the county especially Up Valley and St. Helena and Calistoga. And our treatment services are really individualized to assist people with whatever the need is, the life circumstance they're experiencing, the stress that's basically interrupting their functioning and causing a significant emotional distress. We use a whole range of evidence-based practices. We have measurable outcomes because it's not just about we want people to feel good. We really want them to have the tools 
to live successful, productive, satisfying lives. And we want to be able to measure that, which we do. And consistently, we find about 80% of people on our measurable outcomes improve from the beginning of therapy to the end of therapy. We also used a trauma-informed care approach to our services because trauma is prevalent in our society. It's not just returning veterans. Those are the guys and gals that get most of the attention. Trauma really is prevalent, whether it's abuse or domestic violence or earthquakes, right? Okay, let's talk about the need. And these numbers are really specific to Napa County, but I could extrapolate them certainly to the state and the federal level. About one in five adults report needing help for mental illness. That matches uh, federal statistics. At any one time in the United States, about one in five, or about 20% of adults, have a diagnosable mental disorder. Okay? One in four teens report depression-related feelings. And actually, in some parts of the county, that's low. I was just up in Calistoga, and we were looking at the numbers there, for example, as a point of comparison. Let's, that, it's a little bit more close to two and four. It's, it's pretty striking. You're about the high 30s, low 40s, okay? So it's a significant issue. And when we say this, this isn't just, you know, kids that are 14, 15, 16, if you remember what it was like being managed. Sometimes you have a down day. You're kind of a little bit off. We're not talking about that. Okay, we're not talking about the ups and downs of being a teen. We're talking about a significant level of depression, sadness, that really um, is causing significant distress and disruption at home and school. Okay? Let's talk about our seniors. One in three older adults report needing help for depression and anxiety. Uh, certainly social isolation is a big piece of that as well. And just in terms of lost productivity, there's, there's good numbers both nationally and internationally about this. About four days a month of lost productivity due to mental health concerns. Uh, depression is one of the leading causes of disability and loss of productivity uh, worldwide, actually. There's, there's some good data on that. So again, the need is pronounced. Napa County, Napa Valley, pretty similar. Mira's trends and national, international. Yeah. Okay, as I mentioned, about 80% of our clients feel better pre, as measured on a pre-test basis, beginning of treatment to the end of treatment. So how we measure this is basically reduction of symptoms related to most commonly depression, anxiety, and trauma, because that's usually what we see. We work in various modalities at the agency. So we work with people individually. We work with them as couples, families. We offer support groups, the whole range. As I mentioned before, not only do we work with people who are uninsured, we accept Medi-Cal, Medicare, and several other types of insurance. And for people, the folks that are uninsured, we work on a sliding scale. Basically, nobody is denied service. We'll go as low as a dollar. So if you need help, we're going to give it to you. You know, I was just talking to uh, Doug Ernst before this meeting about collaboration. As most of you know, Napa's a pretty unique place. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's unusual in that there is this ethos of collaboration and partnership, which really benefits the people who live here because in the real world, 
Folks have multiple needs. It's usually not just confined to mental health or primary care or drug and alcohol or family resource center. It's usually multiple, especially when we're talking about lower-income individuals and families. So collaboration really is, in the, is the key. And at Mentis, we've been doing it a long time, and we have a lot of partners, and it works well. So just to give you a few examples, uh, we have an integrative program at, uh, the care, at the CARE Network. That's the Queen of the Valley Community Outreach Department. Um, we pair up uh, a mental health specialist with their social work and nurse case management teams. That's uh, a partnership that's kind of ahead of its time. We've been doing that for 10 years. It's won national awards, and it really was kind of a forerunner to the, the whole movement toward integrative care, which became more popular and prominent as a result of the Affordable Care Act rolling out federally, where the idea was, hey, gee, you can't separate people who have drug and alcohol, mental health, and primary care needs. We've got to work with them together more seamlessly. So that's, that's been a great partnership. We also work uh, with Olay Health as well. We've been serving their patients for many years, providing specialized mental health care. We facilitate a whole range of support groups for news related to sexual assault and domestic violence. Uh, and that's been a great partnership because I think our partners recognize there's no reason for them to reinvent the wheel when they can just use us and we can use the strengths of multiple agencies to, together to be even more effective. We co-locate on a daily basis staff Up Valley at the Up Valley Family Centers. We've got the equivalent of two therapists working per week full-time Up Valley in schools, family resource centers. So uh, we do a lot of work Up Valley because, uh, as many of you know, there seems to be the invisible line, and it's hard to get people to come down Valley who are based Up Valley. And so the whole idea, and it's, it's, been, and it's a core philosophy of the agency, is we're going to go to you. We're going to go to where our services are needed and not expect everybody to come to us because that's just not possible, especially that's true with our older adults. Due to transportation reasons or health conditions, we will see people at co-located sites. Uh, we go to people's homes, whatever necessary to give them the support they need. We also have partnerships with other organizations, COPE, Calabria Care, Aldea, Progress Foundation, and the county is one of our biggest partners as well. So just without getting into too much detail and specifics, I think I already referenced we offer mental health treatment uh, counseling in partnership with several school districts uh, in the county, particularly Napa Office of Education, NCOE, and in Calistoga. Uh, we work all the way elementary, uh, middle, high school, as well as the continuation schools, and uh, we partner with school staff at those sites, and that's uh, fed good success. And uh, we see we see a real impact in terms of school performance, uh, better behavior at school, less conflict, improved attendance, so on and so forth. We have specialized programming for our older adults as well. We have a program called Healthy Minds, Healthy Aging. That's a collaborative program with uh, AAA and Calabria Cares, as well as uh, CSOA, that's the County Older Adult Department, and uh, Community Outreach at uh, the Queen. So that's been a successful program. That provides case management, mental health treatment, dementia screenings, and again, it's a whole continuum of services for our older adults. And the whole focus is to keep people independent, living as self-sufficiently as long as possible. I think there's a misnomer that you can't do early intervention and prevention with older adults. You can't. It's good. It's just good treatment across the lifespan, kids as well as older adults. 
We also are a Medicare provider, which means that we provide mental health treatment for older adults with Medicare. And again, we'll go to people's homes if they can't come to us or they can come to our office because we see a lot of folks with depression, health changes, end of life, aging issues, challenges. So a whole range of of challenges and issues that we address uh, through our older adult programming. Jumping kind of kind of turning in different direction, we have supporting supportive housing services for adults with mental illness. So this is kind of a whole nother range of services. So we have houses integrated in Napa County, transitional housing programs. We, prov- we provide case management and to help teach adults the skills they need to live as independently as possible. We also have permanent housing program where adults have their own one-bedroom apartment and we provide case management services. Again, to try and help folks with severe mental illness stay housed off the street with support to their highest level of independence as possible. We also have crisis triage services. I know this is a lot of information, and it's all on our website. And so the simplest thing is if you want to reference anything I'm saying tonight, you just go to our website. It's all up there. So we have a a relatively newer program. It's been around about three years now. It's called the Community Connection Network. And this is crisis intervention services for folks experiencing a lower level or an emerging crisis situation. This is not folks that are in a severe state, that they're suicidal or homicidal. those, Those people still work with the county. But there's a whole range of folks out there who really need help. And the idea is let's prevent them from getting into that more severe state, and let's kind of help them get back to a more baseline, stable level of functioning and give them the tools they need to remain there. Uh, And I think one advantage of this program is we can work with people as many times as necessary within a 60-day period. So it's not a one-and-done deal, which often many crises programs are. You come out, you see somebody, you feel maybe a little bit better, but there's no follow-up. This program provides the follow-up to make sure people are on solid footing and ready to move forward, and the crisis has really been resolved, and they have the tools to carry on and hopefully live more stably at a baseline level of functioning. We also have something kind of fun called animal-assisted therapy. Many people may know the value of bringing in animals to help with care. Well, we have our therapy dog, Shep, uh, and Shep is a, a shepherd, and he's uh, pretty fantastic. And uh, the whole idea is that oftentimes people come in, especially some of our kids and older adults, and they feel more at ease with the animal, and there's a a soothing quality when the dog is present. And being able to touch the dog and have the dog available allows for communication around some difficult and painful issues that oftentimes are harder to do without the presence of the animal. So that's something uh, we've been doing for quite a while, and we're going to be expanding, quite frankly. I've got several staff who have their dogs ready to be trained and go into action. So uh, it, it's a fun program. All right. How to reach us? Again, this is all on our website. So these are just basic numbers. Uh, we, have, uh, we have our main number uh, with a phone tree that will connect you to whoever you need to be connected to. So I've just basically listed all our contact points for outpatient services, for crisis intervention, for housing, for older adult services. So, again, go to the website. It's easy to reach us, and we are available. And our staff is really good about even if you don't need mental health help, they can also refer you to other resources. Or if you are seeking treatment, 
and there's going to be a little bit of time before we can get you hooked up to a therapist. We'll do an assessment and see if there's any other resources that you need to be directed to in the meantime to support the work that our clinical staff is going to do with you. So that's uh, the end of my presentation, but I am here to take questions. Yes, go ahead, Joanne. Uh, your transitional housing, uh, what numbers do you have? I know you, how many beds are we talking about? We're talking about a total of 24 beds. So do you take referrals from the uh, homeless shelter? We they- do. We work with county. This is under county contract. So we work closely with county mental health on this one. So we have three houses, four to six people in a house. That's our transitional program. And transitional, it's, it's a longer-term transitional. So we're lucky if we have flexibility. The idea originally was we would hold people until a Section 8 voucher became available. Yeah, you're, you're chuckling. Ten years later. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, originally that was two or three years. Holding people a decade or so gets a little tough. So we've had to kind of think about some alternatives now. And the permanent housing program, we have an apartment complex out on Imola with eight units out there. And basically folks can live there as long as they're good tenants, as long as they need to. But the idea is if people just need low-cost housing, ultimately we prefer to find them uh, another option because we want to make sure they take advantage of the case management, the intensive case management we offer. What kind of subsidy are you getting for a rent on those? Uh, do they have to be on SSI or do they? Well, they don't have to be, Joanne, but most people are. So we do subsidize the rent. So basically our clients pay a third of their income. Whatever their income is, they pay a third of it. We we have uh, the program covers the rest, and then you get intensive case management services and support to go along with it. And uh, the um, the relationship with that you have with all of the different agencies. Do you have any contact with us here with our health uh, services that also has a? Well, that's that's company? a good question, uh, and I think that's why I'm here tonight. The answer is limited. I've, I've, I've had conversation. I've, I've went and presented in front of Oscar's team before, and we've talked about our therapy services. We've talked about our crisis intervention services. But I think there is room for a much more robust partnership. I think you have some probably significant mental health needs that I think we could be helpful with. And I think it's just a conversation. I know there's some of us are meeting next week to begin that conversation. I think it's timely as I think, you know, here at the college, the demand for mental health care is high. And yes, stigma is still a prominent issue, but it is not the most important issue. The biggest barrier, frankly, is access. Language, geography, cost, availability, wait lists, it's access. So the biggest issue for the mental health profession now is how do we provide the access people need in a timely fashion uh, and I think people, and I think folks genuinely are ready to step in and use those services. And I think the stigma attached with accessing care is breaking down because ideally it should be no different than going to see a doctor when you need medical attention. If mentally, emotionally you're struggling, you should be able to seek the, the support you need. So that's a long-winded answer to your question, but uh, I think it's something that uh, we're going to begin a conversation again next week, some of us, Dr. Kraft and I and several others and and Kyle, and we'll see where we go. But I think there's some room for a partnership. And our agency would be very interested in doing that uh, because I think it would be very mutually beneficial. And my last question is related to the fact that, that uh, 
nobody gets turned away. So even if you don't have Medi-Cal, you have to have an application on file for Medi-Cal. I mean, do you require anything or uh, you have some discretionary money that just can go toward uh, – Right. So this, again, if we're talking about people who are uninsured, have no other option, they do not have to have a Medi-Cal application pending because I think we know there are there's a segment of our community, an important segment, that isn't eligible for benefits at this point. So, yes, we will serve those folks. And, you know, it's old-fashioned. We, believe it or not, still still go on the honor system. So we take people at their word around their income level, and then we have a sliding scale, and we set their fee accordingly. And we're fortunate that we live in a generous community. So, for example, uh, it's through wine auction funding or the Vintner funding that we're able to deliver this service and cover our costs. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you, you uh, the agency, your agency has done phenomenal work over the years, and you've, you've been with them at least 40 of the 50 years. Right? You know, it's funny, close. Uh, my 20-year anniversary is next week. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but, uh, yeah, thank you. Other questions, anybody? I just uh, wanted to thank you for coming in and doing the presentation. Joanne actually asked my question that I was going to ask about access with the college here and how that would look. And I think that down the road those are discussions that I guess we're, we'll be having. And it just is there like a, an idea or something that you could throw out for us to think about right now and how that would look? Would it be students going through the, the website to contact you or would it be providing services here at the college or well I can't give any specifics quite yet Kyle because I think it depends upon the need in general based upon the collaborations we have with other providers I think the idea of co-location tends to be the most effective certainly um, you you referring people to our services and coming to our office that's a time-tested model, and it's good. But you do tend to lose a few folks in that referral process if they've got to travel somewhere to get care. When you can put it together and co-locate it right on site, the level of participation and follow-through significantly goes up. So therefore, I tend to like that approach, and that just requires some conversation and negotiation. But like I said, we can do it. We do it with Olay Health. We do it with Queen of the Valley. We do it with Family. Uh, the Up Valley Family Centers. I mean, we do it a lot of different places. We know how to do it. So it just requires the entities coming together and figuring out the best model for that particular site and putting a plan together and moving forward. And I would add, Rob, thank you. We are we are meeting next week, and I think generally what we know is we have a significant student population in, who are low income and who also are under extraordinary stress at times. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Oscar is as well as a, a leader for that area. And... Um, We'll just work it through and come back to the board probably, you know, as things unfold um, with some ideas and, and thoughts. You know, I have a question for, for Rob. Rob, when, when, when we met with the counselors uh, about a year and a half ago, you had mentioned that time that you had like a mobile unit that was available through the operation that, that if there was a time of need that was urgent, for example, that we'd be able to you know, contact you and have that mobile unit arrive for perhaps not for the full ther- therapy, but at least uh, to, to assist with, with intervention. Right. The crisis, that's, that's still available, Oscar. That's the Community Connection Network program that I referenced, and the, the number to contact that team was included in the slide and is on our website. So absolutely, 
if a student is having a more acute crisis and needs help. Not that they're suicidal or homicidal, because that's in the more severe range, that's county. But, you know, they're really stressed, down, anxious. Yes, certainly we can be called, and um, we do have a pretty quick response, and we certainly try and reach people within a 24-hour period, and we'll go to where they're at, and we have a qualified staff to really uh, hopefully intervene and give them some tools they need to manage the situation. Thanks, everybody. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Good night. Thank you, you, Rob. Good evening. Moving to item 7.0, the constituent group reports. And we'll begin with the Academic Senate report. Amanda Badgett, President. Thank you. Good evening, board. Um, I'd like to begin tonight by extending my thanks to you, um, members of the Board of Trustees, and to President Kraft and to VPI Shearer for endorsing two faculty colleagues for new roles at this college, Dean of Instruction and Academic Support and Dean of Career Technical Education and Workforce Development. What you have communicated tonight to us, to the college community and the community at large, is your trust in faculty to teach, but also to lead. And your choices are some of the best and hardest working faculty I've had the pleasure to know in my years at Napa Valley College. Diana and Maria joined Napa Valley College full time about a year apart, and in 2001-2002, and in their time here have dedicated themselves to students in their classes and programs, as you know, in child and family studies and education and Spanish, respectively. They have developed curriculum, coordinated programs, worked with their discipline colleagues on the state level in developing associate degrees for transfer. They've mentored part-time faculty, and both have received the McPherson Distinguished Teaching Award. Beyond the classroom, they have worked tirelessly as faculty leaders. Both have served as president of the Faculty Association, Diana as Academic Senate President, Maria as Secretary and First Vice President of the Senate, and both have taken these skills beyond our campus, Diana, to the State Academic Senate and Chancellor's Office, Maria, far and near. <laughs> in addition to international education trips, she's been a participant in Leadership Napa Valley and the Napa County Hispanic Network. What, what these very accomplished colleagues will bring to their jobs is an energy and a commitment to excellence. The high standards they have set in their classrooms and in their programs will now live in administration supporting students and faculty at the same time. The hundreds, if not thousands, of hours these two faculty members have spent with students, students who hit the ground running and achieve success, those who struggle and stumble along the way, they will carry all of this with them into these new roles. That wealth of information, what works in the classroom, what doesn't, what might in the future, they can provide to others at the administrative level to continue to improve instruction in, at this institution. And of course, these two colleagues, I have no doubt, will be dedicated in their, and to respecting faculty purview in all academic and professional matters. So I wish Diane and Maria well. And no, I'm not going to make the usual going to the dark side comment. Because as we've seen with um, VPI Shear, faculty in administrative roles is good for faculty, but it is absolutely good for this college. And thank you. And I'd like these to be submitted with the minutes. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Amanda. 7.2, the Administrative Confidential Senate Report. Chief Ken Arnold. Good evening, Ken Arnold, Administrative Senate. Um, so let me start by, I'll make the obligatory dark side comment in a minute. <laughs> <clears throat> the uh, First of all, uh, I think in choosing uh, Nancy to be uh, to head up your health services was a, a very good choice. She's been doing an outstanding job. Uh, we live in the same place down there together, so I really watch her firsthand. She's going to bring a lot of new stuff to uh, outreach and to student uh, health, and, and that was a perfect choice. Equally, I think your the choice for Maria and Diana is uh, very good. Uh, we welcome you to administration. I will stop by with your Darth Vader voice changers in the next few days. <clears throat> Um, and I, I think that again does show uh, show uh, a really a, a very interest uh, well not interesting but a very good choice in moving both those positions forward. As far as the administrative senate, we had a meeting today where we just talked about uh, land use issues, the things going on around the college, and it was very well received because it was just a discussion of the things that are going on and the pressures around the college, the developments, and, and how that interacts with the college. We looked at, we had a discussion about what does that look like for us, what does it change, what does it not change, what are the possible opportunities, and I haven't really finished those notes because we just did that today at 12, so I haven't been able to feed that information back to the cabinet yet. Um, but it was a very good discussion uh, on just those things. That material, I'll offer it to any group who wants it. There are maps and things that I'm, it's a PDF. I'm happy to give it to you if you, if anybody wants to, to have an equal, have that conversation as well. Uh, the, on October 27th, we're going to be doing a, uh, what we call brown bag trainings. However, I had to remind my folks, we do provide pizza. Brown bag is only in name only. Um, but uh, we had a first one on dealing with your uh, in-basket uh, and how to try to control your in-basket for email. And, ah, well, it was actually well-received. And, I, you know, I told people they got to be vicious because I had somebody admit they had 2,000 emails in their in-basket. I'm like, well, how, can, how do you – you have no idea what's in there at that point. And uh, so uh, – but it, it – Actually, we're going to move that class to the TLC. So the TLC has requested that we do it and open it up to all staff on campus who, who want to hear about that. So we'll be doing that one. Um, well, it's we. I'll be doing that one up there in the TLC. Uh, and then on the October 27th, we're doing a uh, another training on consensus decision-making. What does that really actually look like? I mean, when you actually do consensus and, and also about decisions, you know, what, you know, so – when is it that you're really doing consensus decision making, and when are you asking for input? And 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 but you still have the charge of the decision. So we'll be working on that, and then we're going to cap off October with a uh, a mixer where we'll have uh, some of the college wine and Robin. What do you call it? Equally, enaps, equally attractive non-alcoholic beverages available as well uh, at the. <laughs> Only Stanford, right? Yeah, at the winery. <laughs> and that concludes my report. Thanks. Thank you, Ken. 7.3, the Associated Students of Napa Valley College Report. And in for Gabriel Sanchez, president, is... Hello, I'm Oscar Arias, and I'm the Center of Business and Computer Studies, and I'll be giving the ASNDC report today. Uh, so here goes... 
uh, we're having Rafael Manzo, Center of Arts and Humanities, attending the Inclusivity Retreat tomorrow. ASNBC officers will be attending a food handler's training for certification on October 19th. Select ASNBC stu uh, student officers will be attending the California Community College Student Affairs Association Leadership Retreat on October 21st through the 23rd. ASNBC is required by the ASNBC Constitution to assist in the Upper Valley graduation, so they will be attending on October 31st. The ASNBC will also be working with the Classified Senate and running the Creepy Carnival on Monday the 31st. ASNBC would like to recognize one of their senators for a job well done. Manveer Sandhu secured a $10,000 grant for civic engagement from a California Community College Civic Impact Project. These funds will be used this year and the next following years to finance civic events on campus. The Office of Student Life and ASNBC attended the Foundation Campus Crawl and made a presentation in regard to the Student Activity Center last Friday. Thank you. Thank you very much. 7.4 Classified Association Report. Jan Chart, President. Okay, we don't have much to report right now. Um, most of us are out actively doing campaigning for different political offices throughout the state. Um, we're working on a few issues we have classified, um, trying to settle some things, but basically we're all keeping our fingers to the grindstone. Thank you very much, Jan. 7.5, the classified Senate report. Wheeler have Huerta, president. Hello. Sorry I was late. Um, trying to be in a million places at once isn't really working for me. Um, good evening. So today we announced our employee of the month. Her name is Tantara. She goes by Tara. She works in the LLRC. She is a learning resource assistant. Um, her nominator said, Tara is an amazing employee. Her dedication to the success of students is ongoing, and she makes every effort to ensure a welcoming, helpful environment for all. Her willingness to go up and beyond is never-ending and always in the effort of making things better. Even in stressful situations, she's patient, kind, and giving. I admire her intelligence and talents. During the past years, she has designed the displays in the library and come up with countless ideas to improve our services. If you haven't met Tara, you are truly missing out. She most definitely adds to the success of our campus. I did send out the email and her picture. And kind of, she's very sweet. Um, we are working very closely with ASNBC and doing the Halloween events on Halloween. Day, I believe Tara has sent out um, the information on that. We hope you all will be able to attend, show face. Um, we, in our Senate, we are still working on our bylaws. There's a lot. 
and then as far as getting representatives for the pet verification team, um, I have two out of three. One was willing, the other I kind of had to beg. And then trying to find the third one is really hard. Karen, if you want to, you're more than welcome. Um, to join. Uh, it's, and I think the issue with getting people to, from our constituency group to um, join the different committees or this uh, pet verification team is the people not being on the same, same page regarding release time. I'm finding that a lot of our employees feel that this is something that they have to do on top of their workload. So if something was sent from HR or um, even Dr. Kraft, uh, letting these people involved in the different committees, um, especially for the pet verification team, that this should be incorporated into their work week, that would be greatly appreciated and might be easier to get people to um, volunteer. And I think that is it for now. Thank you very much. 7.6 with the passing of the microphone. <laughs> the Faculty Association Report, Diana Shibodi, President. All right. So first, on a personal note, I want to publicly thank my colleague, Amanda, for her comments. Those were, well, they were embarrassing, but very kind. <laughs> um, and um, I'm going to call it the wild side as opposed to the dark side. <laughs> and I... I um, That's real cultural change. I love it. <laughs> um, and it, um, I have, um, those of you, Joanne knows this, I've turned down several jobs over the past few years, pulled my app several times on our campus. I didn't even tell my husband I had applied for this job until Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> because my soul is faculty, and if there was a way we could do it on reassigned time, I would. But um, I will say, though, that I am excited to work with our, um, our administrative team that we've com compiled over the last few months, um, that that is part, was part of my decision. And in um, actually saying the word yes, because Eric can tell you it took me a while to actually get the word out of my mouth because it was too scary. But aside from that, um, as the union president, I have some really exciting news. I hope you're ex as excited as I am. But um, we have, um, I'm very happy to report that we have a tentative agreement pending Ron's signature and my signature on the coordinator reorganization and compensation matter that I have mentioned several times at board meetings and that we have worked on for four years. I would like to thank the district's team, Dean Bob Harris, VP Bob Parker, <laughs> and Executive Director Charles Alberon, um, and my team, um, Professor Forrest Quinlan, Professor Christy Romoto, and Professor Lisa Yanover for their collaborative and collegial efforts at resolving this issue. And I would do the happy dance, but it would be embarrassing. Um, and um, Vice President Shear and I worked um, together on refining some, fine-tuning some of the efforts. We actually did literally a high five in the office um, because it has been a long time coming, and I don't think we could have done it without the teams that we have at our table actually 
working in an interest-based format um, to reach that goal. Um, so I wanted to publicly thank everyone. <laughs> um, and so soon, I'm sure President Kraft and I will sign the official typed document. And uh, so, yay, so exciting. Um, I also recently attended the California um, Community College Faculty Association Fall Conference this past weekend, so we, and we have much to do in coming weeks relative to some passing of some new legislation related to part-time faculty rehire rights, so that will be something that we'll, we will, both sides will be discussing that also in coming months. Um, this will, see, I can't even say will be, this may very well be <laughs> my last board meeting as the Faculty Association President. Turns out I can't do both. Um, <laughs> over the past two years, I have um, learned an immense amount. Um, there have been some challenging times. Um, I've enjoyed the experience. I've learned elements of our college with a completely different lens um, as a union president. But I wanted to once again say that I have had the distinct honor of serving a very diverse, knowledgeable, and committed faculty. And there, there is no other faculty in any other California community college that is more competent and more dedicated than the faculty that we have at Napa Valley College. And I have been honored to be their president. Thank you. Thank you very much, Diana. Moving to 8.0 Superintendent President's Report, I'll turn this over to Dr. Ronald Kraft. Thank you. I think we have... Yeah, Gerardo Martin, who's going to um, talk on behalf of the Napa Valley College Foundation. It, it, as you recall, board and folks, we've started this um, last year, really, yeah. with uh, kind of renewing the connection between the Napa Valley College Foundation, the Board of Trustees, and the broader community with um, current updates. And um, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you, board. Uh, you know, the, the foundation continues to stay focused on supporting the college in pretty much any way we can, scholarships and, and other program assistance. Uh, the foundation, as somebody mentioned earlier today, uh, hosted an orientation on Friday with the campus crawl as well. Uh, we started in the, with a PowerPoint presentation for the board, for the new members, and, and for the current members. Uh, continued with a uh, very neat tour of the Performing Arts Center, which I had never been in the back of the Performing Arts Center. And if you guys have never been there or seen a show there, please, uh, I encourage you to go. Uh, we, you know, headed over to the art studio, uh, did, work, did a little work with the ceramics, ended up at the, uh, it always ends with wine here, right? So we ended up at the winery with a little wine tasting and a nice barbecue, and for me, it was it was really eye opening to see the incredible opportunities that we offer our students. I mean, it's not every day that you get to see the back the back end of the college, and it was really really neat for me to see that. Uh, the other thing we're you know in, in the foundation in an attempt to get to the next level has been exploring several avenues. We will be obtaining uh, new software to streamline our database and our donor outreach. Uh, we'll be starting an alumni association to make it easier for alumni to stay connected with the college. Uh, we joined the network of California Community College Foundations, which is going to bring us a lot of a lot of support and a lot of information that we can use. Uh, we're also exploring the possibility of hiring a, a full-time executive director and increasing the hours of our staff person. 
there's a lot of work to do, and we're, we're realizing that, that we're all volunteers on the board, and, and we need somebody to be there to do that. Uh, again, the foundation is here to support the college. We're all in this together. The recent articles in the Napa Register have not been based on, on the – let me start over. The, the recent articles in the Napa Register, they have not been based on facts, cast a dark shadow on the hard work that we're all doing. I understand that elections are elections. Our national election is turning into a circus, and we all have to do a lot of fact-checking. I would urge anybody involved in this election for the Board of Trustees to think about the fallout that such non-factual comments can have on the college, the board, and the foundation. We're all on the same side on this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's move to um, Vice President Reports and start with um, Oscar DeHaro, please. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to extend my personal uh, welcome to our new, uh, to new deans, uh, to Diana and, uh, and also as Maria, and I hope that we have a uh, very fruitful, very long-standing friendship association, as we always have. Um, I've, I've shared with you, uh, there's, there's a couple items I want to share with you. These are just a partial, this is a partial list of the activities and the efforts with the Student Affairs. Uh, the first is, is that, um, uh, the first is, is uh, we, uh, we keep on uh, uh, being asked for, for tours of the campus. And this is an activity that's, that's become very, very, very popular with both schools, with both uh, schools, with the Solano County as well as the Napa County. Um, last week or so, we had a visit from, from Utec High. Uh, this month alone, we have three, three visits uh, from, from three of our middle schools. And I think this is very good that, that we continue this effort because, again, this is, this, is the, this is the population, this is the group of kids that, that we will be seeing here hopefully in, the, in the three, four, five, six years. Um, so uh, thanks to Jolie, uh, St. Clair, and, and Welcome Center staff. Uh, these have been very successful and will continue. Uh, the other part is that uh, uh, also I, I attached a, a list of, of the schools that, that I've arranged to, to visit. My, my first three years here as vice president when I, when I arrived here, um, I, I made certain that every year I visited each of the high schools to make certain that, that, the, pres, uh, that, the, uh, uh, that the principals and, and administrators and the counselors knew who we were and offer our, our service and such. And um, I have I've continued this, this practice and... Um, uh, this year we have nine, we have ten, ten visitations. Uh, what I've done is I've invited members of cabinet as well as members from, from student services. And we also have had our, our, our colleague, uh, Eric, join us. He was here, he was there with us yesterday at Napa High School and will be with us uh, tomorrow af afternoon at Vintage High School as well. And so, um, uh, we have learned that there's new changes with administrators within high schools and this is the opportunity for us to, to reacquaint ourselves with them. Uh, the other uh, the piece of information that we have here is actually is one that, that was created that was developed for Napa Learns. Uh, Napa Learns, um, we had a conversation with them uh, earlier this this week, and they were asking for for student data on the capture rate of of the schools within our school district, uh, how many of the students come here, and 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 so forth. And so, uh, Craig, uh, Chris Farm put this information for us. And you'll see it's, it has, it's based on 2014-15 school year, the number of graduates from each of those high schools, 
the number of those graduates that are actually enrolled, actually enrolled at, at Napa College in the 15, 16 year and the percentage uh, of the capture rate. We also have information of those same students, those uh, that went on straight to a, to a four-year school at a, U, a CSU or, or, a, or a UC. And again, this information is, is very valuable to us because uh, it gives an idea uh, with the students that, that, are, that are coming here that we're capturing from our, from our service areas. Uh, the other uh, inf information that I share with you is that uh, Jolie St. St. Clair, again, our specialist in the Welcome Center, is doing something new, uh, which is uh, we, which we find is very innovative. She is uh, she is uh, providing a training for about forty five of our work study students and temporary uh, classified staff on customer service. And uh, this is an offshoot of of one of the outcomes that Student Affairs has uh, developed for for itself in terms of focusing on our customer service at Napa Valley College. And a part of that effort is uh, Jolie's uh, training, which takes place uh, t tomorrow morning. Um, the idea here is to make sure that our, that, our, that our student workers have a consistent way of approaching their their, their customers. Uh, also, um, we are going to uh, provide them with uh, a consistent etiquette uh, and and, uh, and attire. The idea is eventually that each of these student workers and staff members will be wearing a, a similar uh, sweatshirt or a shirt that represents them as as part of this uh, this this team. Uh, and lastly, um, I just want to uh, mention that uh, last week or two weeks ago, uh, the health services staff offered a, a workshop on suicide prevention that apparently was was very well attended. And this is one of the examples of the workmanship that Nancy has has put forth. Uh, this is the third workshop that that, that she's offered. Um, in, in conjunction with our MFT, uh, Magnet and Ore. And so uh, these, are, again, these are still the same ser services that, that Rob Weiss was, was mentioning that Napa College has been engaged in and uh, will we'll continue to offer our uh, student population here as well. Uh, so with that, that's, that's a brevity of my report. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Um, a lot of great things are happening over there. You can just kind of feel the momentum. And um, I came away from a conference this past weekend, an, a national conference, where it, it, there was a discussion on, is a student a customer? And 10 years ago, I think that answer would have been definitively no from many organizations. But I think people are recognizing that, you know, not the customer in the truest retail sense, but certainly a user of our services, our programs and products. And it's very important we kind of meet them. With the, the message is meet the students where they are. Find what they need to make sure that they can um, – navigate the institution, the websites, the, the parking, whatever it might be. So kudos to that team. I'm looking forward to that training. Um, Eric, please. Good evening, board. So first off, thank you again for um, approving the recommended hires tonight. Um, uh, Professor Badgett stole my thunder tonight uh, with the uh, congratulations for the two new deans that we have coming on board. But I do want to take just a quick second, um, again, to thank the board for the, uh, the approval of those hires. Um, with uh, Diana Shabodi and Maria Villa Gomez coming on as the Dean of Career Tech Ed and Economic Workforce Development and the Dean of Instruction and Academic Support, respectively, um, uh, my administrative team on instruction is closer to being completely fleshed out, and I'm extremely excited to have both of them come on board with me. Um, so tonight I'll give you a few updates on where we are right now in, the in, uh, in instruction right now, uh, beginning with a little bit of an enrollment update. So um, 
Enrollments for this fall are about even with where we were last fall. We're down by about 0.9%, so we're really close to exactly where we were this time last fall in terms of total number of enrollments. Um, Headcount also is just about even, down by about 0.5%. Um, uh, however, the, full, the number of students that are enrolled full-time is up by about a percent and a half at this point. So the students who are here are enrolled in more courses and um, are closer to that full-time load. Um, one of the interesting things that happened this time around, uh, we, 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 made some, we made some good decisions in scheduling in terms of how we were distributing the sorts of courses that we were scheduling across um, the campus and trying to focus on adding more courses in some of those key bottleneck areas in math and in English, some of those courses that all students on campus have to take. Um, and so uh, we, we, we were successful in uh, offering more sections in some of those areas. An, inter an interesting consequence of that um, is that those are courses that have fewer students in them. Um, and so our FTES generation right now is projected to be down a tiny bit more than what our enrollment is at this point, but we're pretty close to where we were last fall. So um, we've done a really good job of serving students with the courses that we offered this, uh, this semester. Um, overall, um, really the picture for enrollment, it's stable. Um, we're, again, we're, we're about on par with where we were last time. Some of the curriculum that we're offering is changing a little bit, so some of the numbers are fluctuating, but it's very minor fluctuations in the, in the numbers at this point. And so overall, the enrollment trends appear to be fairly stable at this moment. Um, and right now, we are finishing work on the building of the spring schedule, and that's going to be going live for students here in about a week and a half, I do believe, is the beginning. Two weeks is the beginning of our priority registration for spring. So we're almost there right now. So we've, um, again, we've continued that look at really trying to offer courses in some of those critical areas that students can get bottlenecked in. So um, we've had a wonderful team working on that and have had a really smooth schedule building process this time around. Um, and so we're very excited with where we are on that right now. Um, in, addition, um, in addition to that, another hiring update, um, we're also working in instruction right now and finalizing um, our recommendations for full-time faculty hires for next fall. Um, we, have, uh, we have a lot of separations and retirements on the book right now, and so we're looking at how we are going to be uh, replacing or retooling many of those positions um, to continue serving students in the best way that we can at this point in time and looking forward into the future. So at this point, um, we're looking at between 7 and 10 full-time faculty hires for next fall, depending on the total number of retirements that come in by the end of the year. And we have two more faculty separations that are now formal as of your action tonight um, with uh, Diana and Maria both uh, moving over into the administrative ranks. So um, this, is, this is a really exciting opportunity for the college, and we're really excited about this on the instructional side. Um, not net new number of faculty, um, it doesn't look like at this point, but um, with the exception of one position, I think that we're going to be looking for one net new instructor in the math area to help uh, meet the demand of students in that area, but this is a really wonderful opportunity for the college to bring, uh, to bring new faculty on board, um, to run through the new training programs that we have, the mentoring programs that we have, and to work with some of the new deans that we have um, that will be coming on board as well who've worked with faculty for many years. Um, but this is, a great, this is a great opportunity for the college at this juncture, so we're looking forward to continuing on with that process, and you as the board will be hearing more on that certainly as, as we're moving forward and getting that picture clarified a little bit more here in the in the coming month or so. Um, a couple of other things uh, to point out to you. Some, up, Yeah, absolutely, Joanne. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so our projections on that take into account all of that. So I, I, I keep, I, I, I know that I know that I come from the studio arts world, but I swear I'm a numbers person as well. Um, I, I, I obsess over spreadsheets and, and calculations, and so I track it very closely and on a daily basis, if not hourly basis, sometimes, um, just to make sure that I'm really on top of what's going on. So yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, so we've calculated that all into it. We've we've actually had. Um, we're looking at some at some interesting practices for late start courses this coming spring too, because some of the things that we're seeing as we've been developing these late start courses is that some of the populations that works well for are the high school students, um, and the courses that we've been offering on the high school campuses, we've actually been running more of those as late start courses and uh, getting better enrollments on it because we're um, uh, it's it's fitting in a little bit better time wise and how many hours a day we have to allocate. Um, to meet our requirements for our for hours for the units of credit we're offering, and so yeah, we're, we're we are continuing on with that this next spring. We've got some more innovative practices on that front that we're that we're moving forward with, and the faculty um, have been involved in that from the ground up in helping to identify courses that can work in that way. Um, yeah, yeah. So we are absolutely continuing to do that. That's been very successful so far. Um, so a couple a couple of other things. So um, upcoming events. So I do want to make sure that all of you are aware that on October 28th, the cooking school at the Upper Valley campus is having its graduation. Um, I do believe that you may have had an information card go around tonight. Um, um, Michelle Mana, who I don't see out here now, I know was here tonight and uh, left some information for you. All of you will receive an invitation uh, for this. Uh, this is on October 28th. The seating for the graduation will be at 1030, the ceremony at, at 11. And then, of course, what you're really going up there for, I know, is the food, which happens at noon. So um, do look for that email that will be coming out and that invitation that will be coming out for your presence at that graduation. Um, also, the Little Mermaid in the Performing Arts Center. This is the opening weekend for the Little Mermaid. Now, it's the opening weekend for the, for the major shows. However, our campus has had a lot of kids here over the last week as we have been running the matinee shows um, with students that are coming in from the Napa Valley Unified School District. It's one of the brilliant outreach programs that our theater and music programs do with our school district to bring students onto our campus. And so the students have been coming, the, the, the younger students have been coming in, I should say, and have been having a wonderful time um, in that. There was also a great write-up in the Napa Valley Register today uh, about the production. So if any of you are interested in looking at that, that is in today's register. Uh, finally, one thing I want to uh, end on here tonight with, the, with my report um, as I've done for the last couple of uh, last couple of meetings with you, I've, I always like to highlight something that's going really well here at the college um, in the instructional area: student success, program success, faculty success. And so tonight, I want to take just a little bit of time. Um, I, this is going to be a little more um, specific uh, than some of my other ones. I want to talk about Fane Hancock. Fane Hancock is a professor in the Studio Arts Department. And for those of you who um, have met Fane before, you'll know that she's she's very quiet. She is a wonderful, wonderful example of how slight, persistent effort affects a student's life. One of the things that she has done in the many years that she has worked here as an instructor is that she has taken an extraordinary interest in the success of individual students as they come through her classroom. One of the wonderful things about being an instructor and being a professor in a studio arts area is that unlike standing in front of a classroom and lecturing, um, where, where you may get to know the students when they come into your office hours, you get to know these students really personally, one-on-one. -on -one. You get to know their lives. You get to know their stories. You get to know them at a really intimate level. It's one of the beautiful things about teaching in that particular discipline. 
Um, Thane, one of Thane's passions has been getting students out of Napa. Now, I, that may sound negative, but that is really one of the most positive things that she's done. She encourages student success by getting out of here and transferring and going on and being successful. Um, so to that end, just two, two recent success stories that I want to share, and there are dozens of these stories over the years. Um, uh, one, of, one of the things that she encourages her students to do is to look into those places they don't think they can actually get into. So California College of the Arts is one of the most prestigious art schools in the country, and it's located down in Oakland. Fane is a graduate, has her Master of Fine Arts degree from the California College of the Arts. Um, and with her experience there, she has shepherded many students into their program over the years. The big problem that students see when they look at going to that particular school is the price tag, $40,000 a year in tuition plus whatever it takes to live in Oakland um, or in Berkeley while you're going to school there. It's it really daunting. Well, um, true to form, Fane shepherds the students, helps them get their portfolios put together, and then helps them get into the financial aid application process with the California College of the Arts. And we have now have a strong history of our students going in and not paying a dime of, of their tuition because they get full scholarships, because of the strength of their portfolio, the backgrounds that they come from. Um, she helps shepherd them into, into this. And so recently, this semester, we have two students from the Studio Arts program, Mike Diaz and Darius Lott, um, who are actually roommates down, down, down in, down in uh, Oakland, um, who, who both received massive scholarships and were able to go to a school that they never dreamed in a million years that they would have been able to go to, all because of the work of Thane and the personal touch that she takes into the classroom each day. So just wanted to point out just another wonderful thing that's happening here very quietly, and Thane would be the last person to tell you about this. She's very quiet and very humble. Um, so just wanted to put that out there in front of you tonight as another wonderful success story from our students and our faculty here at Napa Valley College. And just briefly, thank you to Gerardo for um, the foundation and for the event last, last week. Fantastic event. That was, um, it was so great to see the foundation board members and members of our staff and members of the administration and faculty and students on campus going around touring our facilities and then sitting down and eating together. It was wonderful. It was a fantastic event last Friday night. And I want to thank you guys for putting that together. Thank you. Thank you. Bob? Yeah, so I just want to, uh, first of all, echo Eric and Oscar's excitement about our two new deans, Diana and Maria, and also our permanent director of health services, Nancy. I also want to echo Diana's excitement at our MOU for uh, program <laughs> coordinators. Uh -huh. That's uh, it's a great day. Um, it's also an exciting day in the business and finance office because the auditors left today. And so the uh, field work for the audit is complete and uh, no surprises. Um, uh, we are expecting a good report and the auditors will be here to share that report with the, uh, with the audit committee of the board uh, prior to the November 10th meeting and then to share it with the full board at our December board meeting. I don't want to publicly thank our controller, Glenna Aguada, our chief accountant, Imelda Bosco, and all of the staff in the business and finance office, including our classified Senate president, Tuila Huerta, for all of the hard work that they did in uh, making the successful audit happen. I also want to say that we are com we have completed our email upgrade, 
And we are seeing email flowing more consistently from outside of the college. We know that there are still a few individuals who are experiencing some individual issues, and we are dealing with them on a one-by-one basis. But it looks like uh, the move to our new server, to the new uh, version of Microsoft Exchange, has addressed most of the issues that we were having. And as I reported before, it also positions us to move forward with issuing Napa Valley College email accounts to all of our students, uh, to giving our students access to Office 365, and also to move forward with significant upgrades in our student information system and colleague that will allow our students to more easily and effectively search our class schedule, register for classes, and access other services. So uh, stay tuned. There will be more developments on that front as we move forward through the next few months. And that's my report. Thank you. And I think, um, Charles, you did not have a report tonight. I asked you, but if you have something, nothing. I just want to echo again the congratulations, Diana and Maria, who I think has already left. But I look forward to working with you guys. And again, congratulations. I will have a report next month. Thank you. Okay, we'll jump to the uh, President's report a little bit. And um, if you can open this one up for me. Um, Eric and I did not coordinate totally, so he's covered the first couple pages, <laughs> which is great. Um, it's, it's here for you to take a look at. You know, what I'm, I'm, I'm grateful as a leader, particularly, um, you, you know, to be here at Napa Valley College. I think what I've heard tonight and what I'm seeing is, a, is our focus on students. We've heard more about students and the word student tonight than, than I have in a while, and I, and I think that's um, gratifying. Also, I want to um, commend faculty um, for um, not only the work you do, and I'm kind of echoing Amanda, but when we talked about opening these organizational structures for new deans, I remember us talking about having a deep bench. Um, we've got some very um, now new administrators who really served um, in, in many roles that really prepared them. So um, kudos to the faculty, and congratulations, Diana and, and um, Maria, who's probably out there with their little guys doing something. I, I have no idea now. But um, Cooking School, you know about. It's here, again, in the report. I put it in here for community members to be able to see it and, and take a look. Napa Valley um, Campus. The Campus Crawl is an annual event. And as Eric said, and again, I want to give, you know, just shout-outs to the faculty. It was really about allowing the Napa Valley College Foundation executive board and members to see and visit portions of the campus and faculty and classified folks that they hadn't seen. So, you know, in a visit to the, the PAC, for example, seeing the PAC facility is great, but they also were treated to a bit of a performance, backstage pieces. The same thing happened over in Studio Arts, which was wonderful. Uh, Amanda and team over there walked them through. Um, DG, DDGT, D, no, no, that's wrong. They walked them through. What, what were we watching on the screen there, Amanda? Digital art, thank you. Um, amazing and fascinating work. Um, the board was very impressed. VWT as well. And over in the Student Center, 
And with student government and student affairs, they really got a nice tour of that. So it was a, um, I, we received so many comments from them, and it's, it goes a long way. Um, I'm going to skip to board meeting and videos and board docs. As you know, um, about a year ago, we talked about um, the transition to board docs and broadcasting. Um, we're still on track exactly where we said we would be. So the installation for video, which will be some kind of a fisheye um, monitor in the back there that, that views us and tapes it, is scheduled, as we've said, um, we're looking at December 8th as a target for the pilot, I think, just to, to see and moving forward um, as we discussed in, in January. So that's um, just kind of an update on that. Performing arts you've already talked about, which, um, are, board, I hope you're going to, um, to this uh, mermaid piece. And um, I'm taking uh, several folks here that um, I've heard is quite exciting. Um, Vine Trail, down here. Um, the Vine Trail is having a Founders Circle kind of a um, save-the-date piece, and, and, but it, it happens on October 22nd. The piece here for us is the Vine Trail is a significant, I think, highly sustainable and uh, you know, beautiful way to, to traverse the, the valley. One of the big um, wins that the college had was having conversations with the Vine Trail folks early on about can we include the college and get it close to the college and perhaps into in a portion of the college. And we're working forward. What that's going to do for us is allow pedestrians and, and bike traffic to access the college in a way that will reduce cars, reduce traffic, get those folks off the street, and, and allow folks to also live in, in the apartments that are going up in and around the, the college over there in the Gasser Foundation and those areas. So it's walkable. And, and imminently bikeable. And that, that really creates a brand new vision for the college in, in continuing its legacy of sustainability. And we'll talk more about that in the future here. Landscaping Campus Pond. We, for those of you who lived by the ocean, you probably know what a kelp cutter is. Um, it goes out there and chops kelp up. We had one of the, a little one of those in the pond um, that chewed up our parrot feather invasive species, which was taking over that pond. And um, the goal is really to make it an aesthetic, scientific, and educational um, venue. So um, not only can you see more than the pond scum on the top, you can actually see creatures there and appreciate them. We're cleaning up the boathouse area of the invasive species and, and um, bush that's kind of grown up. Also, we're doing an aerating um, approach on the pond, which will reduce the mosquitoes and those kind of um, pesky insects. So it's a win-win-win on, on many, on many um, uh, fronts. Sports teams, there's a little picture there for you. of the, I was fortunate enough to go last night and watch women's volleyball. Um, Imelda's daughter, um, help me on last name, Imelda Vox. Bosco. Um, her daughter was out there and we yelled at her and embarrassed her and why she was serving, but she still got it over the net, which was great. Um, they're doing very well. We have, this is just a little bit to highlight. Um, you know, really, I'm, uh, I'm reaching out to the Associate Dean of Athletics and you know, Jerry Dunlap has done a good job and is really making these connections with the prep schools and the high schools in the area and clubs. So, and that's been the key that's really been missing is this definite in-depth community engagement and uh, that's moving very well so he's out there and his team visiting high school um, every day every single day and I think let me look at the uh, 
Where are we? The last piece is a little bit on NBC's uh, Campus Cafe. Um, it's doing well. We stopped serving Starbucks, but we serve other kinds of things, so if you can excuse the cup there. Um, we had initial staffing challenges, but now it's fully staffed and up to speed. Um, it, its intention under the district auxiliary services was to serve the needs of students and faculty and staff, um, have a more um, affordable lunch menu and menus throughout the day. We're still working on bringing those prices down, and it's, and, um, it's increasing. The other thing that is happening here is it's catering events on site for our staff, faculty, and also on the weekends for outside users. So working very good. There's my nod to what everybody else has talked about in personnel and staff, um, two new deans. I didn't mention them in here because it was a little premature, but um, welcome and on behalf of the, the administrative confidential team and the president's staff. We're, I'm very excited about the balance and the approach that we're taking. I think I, I feel very confident and I'm excited about um, what we're going to be able to, to accomplish this year and, and all those future years. There's some selected community college things there, events and ceremonies, but um, always of note is the uh, police academy, another great one. And as you know, on most of these police academy graduations, they're um, very emotional. It's a it's a something you shouldn't miss. If if you haven't been to one, I would recommend you you try to go to one and view the young men and women who are stepping into that line of work. And um, most of them are employed within a month or two. Many at the time of their graduation are badged by um, agencies around um, local area. So um, the last piece that I'll say is that campus housing forum. We finished um, a couple forums on that. The Q&As, the questions and answers asked during that are now finished in kind of in um, written form. I'll be releasing them out to all staff. And then it goes up on the president's page for more information as we kind of gather. Um, we're working on still a decision whether or not we next steps, you know, in terms of a brief survey. And we had talked about a brief survey, whether or not we should do that first just to get a, a notion. And, and um, that's going to go to president's council um, for their look-see um, very soon. With that, um, my portion of the report is, is done. And I would call on um, Doug Ernst to do the um, update on the public information office. Thank you, President Kraft and the board for giving me another five minutes. Um, I like giving you this, this update to tell you what I do to help connect the college to the community. So that's the spirit of my report. Um, <clears throat> this is what I call the silly season, when political campaigns really get into high gear. Uh, I learned that term in the news business. I still call it that. Um, political you statements. Taught hmm? You taught me that 30 years ago. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't take this stuff too seriously, but you have to take it seriously and deal with it as a college. Um, political statements are made that may need correcting. Um, I work closely with the leaders here to um, catch and release bad information. I, I use that fishing term because um, if you've ever been fishing at like a Smith River, you don't use the, you, use, you don't use really hooks. You you use barbless hooks. So you catch the fish, you release the fish nice and 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 healthy because the issues that are being raised are important for this community. We don't want to um, say well, that's not an important issue. We want to take the issue, correct the mistakes, 
and give it back to the community in a in a healthy, progressive way. And that's what I think my job is here. That's what I'm trying to do for the college. Um, correcting rumors and innuendo. Uh, if that's left unchecked, if we don't correct those mistakes, it may frighten students. They might not want to come here because, well, I, mean, I can go down the road to Solano. I can go to Santa Rosa, and, and we want them to, to come here. I mean, we want the, the bad information to go away, but keep the fish healthy. Um, for example, there was a letter today from Dr. Kraft in the register. I hope you all saw it. I thought um, it made a lot of good points that um, set the record straight for the community. Um, Michael Baldini's letter, uh, the board president wrote on uh, accreditation. That was quite effective. Um, more information is going to come out. We're going to correct information about the budget. You know, um, there, are, um, there are ways to um, correct these misconceptions about the way the budget is put together. Um, but on a positive note, I am still finding things to celebrate here at the college. I'm still working primarily on, um, you know, the high schools, all those high schools that are being approached and recruited. Um, you know, you see, you see Howard and, and Jessica, I, you know, just bumping into them yesterday. They're so excited about coming back from the high schools, recruiting high school students. And you, and you see the, the real commitment to the college from the people who work here. Customer service training, I think, is excellent. I'd like to write about that. The Eisenhower grants were given, $5,000 grants to four students in science, math, engineering. You know, the feds said, yes, we want your students. Come, go to a four-year college, study engineering, transportation. One guy wants to uh, figure out a way to, to keep the rocket ship up so that we can go around uh, exploring the universe. Um, these are exciting things for me, I, maybe, maybe not so much for everybody else. The Bracero students that came back. They came back so excited. They gave a presentation in the uh, Student Activity Center about their trip, and, and they said the people at Georgetown University <laughs> said, hey, we need you. We want you Latino students to come to our university because we don't have this kind of information at Georgetown. We want you here. Um, stuff like that makes me um, really proud, of not just Jessica and Gladys, the idea of bringing Latino history to our college, that's a, that's a, a work in progress. That's an exciting story. Uh, police department, you know, uh, Ken here is working on a mock drill um, on Tuesday to keep us safe. Wh whatever calamity happens, we're going to have a plan to do that. The sports, the, the, the athletics are incredible. Women's volleyball is, is in second place. Men's soccer, 3-0-1 in conference play. Baseball team has 50 students. Women's golf has completed the Big Eight. It competed in the Big Eight conference, scoring well in conference matches. And there's a rumor that rugby is coming in intramurals. So there's some good stuff happening. Try not to let the silly season get to you. I'm not going to let it get to me. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. That's that's um, our report. Can I add one little thing? Our, our uh, adaptive PE instructor, Christy Kling's youngest daughter, is one of the mermaids. That's right. So we're growing our own. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much.
9.0, the approval of minutes. We're looking at 9.1 minutes of the September 8, 2016 regular meeting, and then a special meeting covered under 9.2, the minutes of that meeting on the 15th of September 2016. You know, changes? Yeah. There's um, a typo in 13.3. I'm actually not sure what it's supposed to say. I just can tell that there's a typo there. It's in the second sentence. I believe that word is supposed to be additional. It, any other changes or corrections? The many minutes will be uh, yes. See uh, Kyle. All right. Thank you. I just wasn't clear where that correction was. Oh, the second sentence, thirteen point three. So. Yeah, so I move to approve with that word changing, being changed to additional. Oh, thank you. We, we know as, as long as everyone accepts those changes, uh, they will be accepted as written with that one spelling error corrected. And that uh, goes for 9.1, 9.2. Um, we also will accept as presented on the minutes of 9.2 special meeting September 15, 2016. So that moves us to the information discussion items. 10.1, the annual notification of student right to know report. The Clary reports. So did was it attached? Okay. All right, there we go. Great, thank you. So this is your annual notification required under federal law of the Clery Act. The Clery Act is a reporting uh, requirement for the college where we report certain, uh, certain crimes, certain policies. Those are all what is in that uh, report that you see. That is available on... Uh, the internet. It is available uh, through nvcpd.org. Right there, first, it's a one-click deep, which is the requirement. There was official notification sent out to the campus on September. I think I did it on the 27th. Uh, Department of Ed Education has also had the official report. All of it was due by October, so we more than met um, met our requirement. Uh, the last part of that is for the board. Uh, for, for you to have your requirement. It is three years of statistics. It's 2013, 2014, and 2015. Um, there is, in the policy statements, unless somebody has a question, they're pretty much what has been in there for the last couple of years. There were no major changes uh, this year. And in the final one, which is pages 11, 12, and 13 of your report, those are the annual statistics. And my internet just ran away. Um, <laughs> so let me see if I can control it from here. Yeah, no, that. Here we go. I got it. Yeah. 
I'm going to. So basically, what I'm going to do is just point out the the final page of the the statistics. This includes so we do statistics for the main campus, the Upper Valley campus, and uh, those are the two. On the main campus, there's three categories. You have things that actually occurred on the campus, meaning within our physical property. Public property is the area immediately adjacent to or what is defined as reasonably contiguous to the campus. That's Kennedy Park. And non-campus centers is our American Canyon High School uh, and the uh, simulation lab in Yountville. So if you look at that, on campus itself for 2015, we had one uh, forcible rape reported. We had one robbery. That actually involved two homeless individuals, did not involve any of our students, and was out in our field adjacent to Jack in the Box. And we had one burglary. So our Part 1, which are our uh, Part, these are called Part 1 offenses, was uh, we had a total of three. We had no none on public property. And we had nine in, well, we had to report nine. None of them involved college students. They were all at American Canyon High School, and no college students were involved. But because we have classrooms at the high school, we still have to show it as a statistic. Um, it's, it just, it's because we have space physically on that campus. The uh, reportable offenses that are not reported by hier uh, hierarchical means, that is uh, we had the arson fire, that was the gym, where the uh, we sustained quite a bit of damage. Um, and actually in that particular case, uh, there was a former student who was arrested for that recently um, and is going to be awaiting trial on that. So it uh, took us a little while. We were assisting. Napa PD was the lead along with uh alcohol, tobacco, and firearm, but uh, that person was arrested actually for the arson of the college, an arson of an inhabited dwelling, and attempted murder. Um, we uh, other So that was the only crime that we had there. In terms of arrests, we had none on campus because what we tend to do is handle most of those, uh, most alcohol and uh, drug violations are handled through our student discipline process. The 2015 disciplinary referrals, we had one drug referral, uh, which was the only one where we could actually prove that the person was using marijuana. We have, we have, a, we have an issue with that, but right now, because of vaping, we can't really, very difficult for us to deal with. And then we had what is a new category this year, which is the first year we did it. We had one unfounded forcible rape. So we had an individual, a person who reported uh, being sexually assaulted. However, through investigation, we were able to account for this person's movements with it, with exception of a two-minute gap. And we were they they later withdrew their statement. Uh, there were there are a number of issues, but because of the law, I can't really go into all of the things about it because it was uh, the nature of the offense. But it was unfounded, which is what we can legally do. And so we call it was carried as an unfounded crime. And Upper Valley Campus, uh, we had absolutely no reportable incidents of any nature up there. Any questions? Okay, no questions from the board. Thank you very yeah. much, Chief. Item 10.2, the accreditation update. 
middle one. There we go. Um, so good evening, board. Uh, I am here to present uh, the regular update, the regular monthly update for you all, uh, in which I highlight the work that has been done since the last board meeting to address the accreditation recommendations and prepare for our follow-up report. So as the as this is a regular update, I'm going to focus on the progress that we made over the past month um, by reporting out on the Accreditation Steering Committee meeting from last month. So uh, just to remind you, the, in case you didn't know, the Accreditation Steering Committee uh, that we've assembled reflects the structure of the committee that oversaw the development of our self-evaluation report in 2014-2015. And we have 11 members, and those include the president, the three vice presidents, the executive director of HR, our four constituent group presidents, an additional academic senate representative, and me as the accreditation liaison officer. So what I'm going to be focusing on today is the accreditation steering committee meeting that was held on September 22nd. Uh, the agenda items for that meeting included uh, discussion of the certification requirements or the certification page for the follow-up report, and the ACCJC provides a template for that. Uh, we also received updates on the three priority recommendations from the leads, uh, which is something that we do as part of our regular agenda every month. And we discussed regular communications to the campus community. So I'm going to go through some highlights uh, from that meeting and particularly focusing on the updates from the leads. So first, for recommendation one, which you'll recall uh, concerns student learning outcomes assessment, our lead for that is Eric. And uh, you'll recall from the uh, last month's uh, update that we have appointed two faculty SLO coordinators for the year. And those faculty coordinators have been working with instructional programs to develop program-level assessment plans. And those are intended to ensure that all courses and programs are assessed on a regular cycle. The cycles are being collected from all programs according to the schedule that was established by our Learning Outcomes Assessment Committee. So all faculty, or at least the program coordinators, have been involved in that uh, process that's been coordinated by the uh, faculty SLO coordinators. Uh, the faculty SLO coordinators have offered trainings on SLO assessment through the Teaching and Learning Center, or the TLC, and that includes uh, training for faculty as well as for division secretaries to help with data entry. And finally, in terms of a highlight, uh, Eric has developed a process to ensure the regular review of syllabi by division chairs and deans. And so instruction council members have been reviewing syllabi to ensure consistency between SLOs on the course outline of record and the syllabus for every section of every course being offered this semester. So no uh, small task, I'm sure. And this will become part of our standard practice for the instruction council members each semester as we move forward. Uh, for recommendation five, which you will recall has to do with the evaluation of personnel, and Charo is our lead uh, for that recommendation. Um, Charo has been monitoring the improvement uh, in completion of our evaluation process, particularly for classified staff members and for uh, members of the administrative confidential staff. And she reports that there's been a 72% improvement in the completion rate for classified staff and 62% for the AC group. Uh, classified and the AC groups are also discussing ways to incorporate SLO assessment into the evaluation process. 
and identify positions that that additional um, piece of evaluation would apply to. And finally, uh, we've been exploring some electronic mechanisms for evaluation of personnel, and that's intended to improve, uh, streamline, and facilitate the process, really to uh, improve our processes to avoid falling behind in the future. So I characterize that as a uh, preventative measure uh, to ensure sustainability of evaluation. And finally, uh, for Recommendation 9, which you'll recall, uh, deals with uh, fiscal and resource planning, and Bob is our lead for that uh, recommendation. Uh, we anticipate drafts of three institutional resource plans by the end of the semester, and those plans include uh, the technology plan, the financial plan, which would include that three-year budget, which I think you've heard about um, at least over the past couple months pretty regularly, and then uh, the facilities master plan. And I'm pleased to report that the Budget Committee and the Planning Committee co-chairs have scheduled regular meetings to implement year-round planning um, to help make planning uh, more methodical and allow more time for communication, discussion, coordination within area councils and across programs and services. And we also are uh, working together to strengthen the integration between the two uh, pieces of the process. Uh, so just to wrap up, we uh, continue to be on track in addressing the recommendations. Faculty and staff across the college have been working to implement improvements and address the recommendations, and we're making progress every month. Any questions? Yes, go ahead, Dan. Uh, regarding the evaluation personnel, how much of that is subject to collective bargaining? Is that a piece of it? Uh, so that's when I refer, and, and Charles, feel free to uh, jump in, where I was uh, talking about the um, discussions between the classified staff um, and, and the district and then the AC group and the district. Uh, we're working on incorporating the SLO component that uh, is was new, introduced in the 2014 standards that we piloted, and so that's what I was referencing uh, there. Any other questions? Thank you very much, Rob. Oh, wait. I, I asked this earlier, uh, not tonight, but in, in terms of the additional staffing to work on the SLO, the two coordinators, uh, are those new to uh, uh, to working on, on uh, the SLOs? Uh, yes. So we, we did have some, um, I think that there's a two- or three-year um, period for the um, faculty SLO coordinator, and that so that was up for renewal. Uh, when the, at the recommendation of the Learning Outcomes Assessment Committee last spring um, to the district and carried through um, then um, by Dr. Juni, uh, we had recommended that rather than having one uh, faculty coordinator with 40% reassigned time, we assign two faculty coordinators with 40% assigned time or release time so that we could uh, ad, 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 commit more resources to uh, working with faculty and getting all of our uh, improvements in place. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much, Robin. Another piece? But wait, there's more. I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Sorry. to <laughs> Not for that item, just whatever item we're on. 10.3. I'll wait for Michael to.
10.3. Institutional effectiveness. <laughs> partnership initiative, partnership resource team update. Okay, the agenda item is a little uh, long here, so I'm going to um, use some acronyms that we're very fond of. So the Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative is what we locally call IEPI or IEPI, just to make it a little roll off the tongue, I guess. Um, and then um, the other piece that is, involves an acronym uh, is the Partnership Resource Team, which externally um, they call the PERT. So these are not my acronyms. These are uh, the ones from the Chancellor's Office and the people that are coordinating the IEP process. Uh, so at the board meeting in May, I reported that the college had requested a partnership resource team from the Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative to help us strengthen the integration of planning and resource allocation practices. And so some of the um, background that you'll recall hopefully, is that the uh, IEPI was introduced by the California Community College's Chancellor's Office in 2014-2015, and as described by the Chancellor's Office, IEPI is a statewide collaborative effort to help advance the effective practices of the California Community Colleges and, in the process, significantly reduce the number of accreditation sanctions and state and federal audit issues. So as part of this program, the Chancellor's Office has secured funding to offer every college the opportunity to request a resource team to help identify and implement effective practices to help address areas for improvement that have been identified by each college. Um, the teams are comprised of California Community College faculty and staff who have experience in implementing improvements in the areas of identified need. And so in this regard, IEPI uh, reflects a peer consulting type of model. Uh, in the spring, we learned that our request for an IEPI PERT was approved, and I'm here to share more information about the upcoming visits and the activities associated with those visits. So in the table, um, I've outlined just a, some key um, components of it. So our area of focus, as I mentioned before, is the integration of planning and resource allocation practices. Uh, the team of colleagues from the California Community Colleges, we are anticipating a team of eight members, and uh, it, um, at least last I saw, um, was a, included a balance of faculty and administrative staff. Just like we experienced tonight with the appointment of uh, two deans that uh, hail from our faculty ranks, that happened to some of our original appointees, and so then they had to rebalance and shift and everything like that. So... Um, the backup materials for today's meeting include, uh, first, a document outlining the typical process, and that was provided by the Chancellor's Office. And the second backup document is our so-called treatment document, which provides more detail about our area of focus. And our first visit has been scheduled for November 14th. Uh, the expectations regarding that visit are that prior to the visit, uh, the team members will review our treatment document to familiarize themselves with the crucial documents that describe our current practices or structures um, that we have in place for planning and resource allocation. Then they will visit us, and during that one-day visit, they will interview key stakeholding groups on campus to learn more about our current practices and dig a little deeper and really um, to help those documents come alive, if you will, so hearing straight from us. Uh, the identified stakeholders include groups that are responsible for structuring our planning and resource allocation processes. 
as well as participants in those processes, that is, um, those that apply the structures to develop their own plans, their unit-level plans, or to make decisions about uh, resource allocations. And uh, the anticipated interview participants are listed on the slide, those, those groups of participants. Um, so since uh, planning and budget fall under the 10 plus 1 responsibilities of faculty, the Academic Senate is a key stakeholder, and I just want to emphasize that Amanda has been involved in the IEP process since the get-go, and uh, we have her support, so thank you, Amanda, for that. Um, so, but back to the IEP uh, process that I've laid out here. Uh, following the first visit, the uh, PERT members will return to their respective campuses. They'll reflect on what they've learned about us and our practices, and they will develop a list of primary successes. So they'll tell us what we could build on, and then they will also have a menu of options for us to consider um, in terms of implements, uh, implementing improvements moving forward. So then they will return for a second visit, which has been scheduled for February 7th. And that is uh, more of a working visit where um, a small group of MVC faculty and staff will work directly, will roll up their sleeves and work directly with the um, IEP PERT um, to uh, start considering improvement options. And uh, following the visit, there will be a deliverable from the faculty and staff that are participating in that second visit, and that will be an implementation plan. And now the part that I know Bob has been anxiously awaiting for is that uh, once we have our implementation plan, uh, including prioritization in place, then the real excitement happens and that we get to apply to the chancellor's office for up to $150,000 to accelerate the, <laughs> the implementation of improvements. Um, so that's really the um, big focus I wanted to cover today. But I also wanted to share some um new developments from the Chancellor's Office side that just came out um, at the end of last month. And um, at the end of uh, September, the Chancellor's Office sent out a memo that indicated that they had requested an IEP PERT themselves um, to help them identify areas for improvement. And their area of focus was really um, in managing and responding to the recent period of what they call unprecedented, unprecedented innovation and reform. Um, and some examples of developments or recent innovations in that area include the Student Success Task Force recommendations, the Student Success Scorecard, uh, Student Support and Success Plan, or SSSP, Student Equity Plan, the Common Assessment Initiative, and IAP itself, and that's not even the exhaustive list. Um, so the Chancellor's Office requested an IAP PERT to help with the alignment and integration of some of these new programs. And they are currently developing their action or implementation plan themselves, um, but they've communicated that they're focusing on the integration of SSSP, so Student Support and Success Plan, Student Equity Plan, and the Basic Skills Initiative. And I wanted to report that to you because I think it's exciting. And in my mind, um, the Chancellor's Office is really modeling um, behavior for all of us in terms of integration, capturing efficiencies, and attempts to make planning more meaningful um, uh, with larger, uh, more coordinated imp impacts on student success and goal attainment of our students. So I think that that's exciting. Um, so finally, just to summarize what I've covered, uh, our IPI visits have been scheduled. This is a great opportunity for Napa Valley College, and we will keep the campus community informed as we develop our implementation plan. Any questions? I have a comment. I just, I don't know if you hear it enough, but You've done a great job with this whole process, and I'm confident that the college moving forward is not going to have any 
issues with accreditation. So thank you and good job. Thank you. It's a team effort. That's for sure. I'm just the figurehead <laughs> coordinator. And I would echo that. You're much more than a figurehead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. You do um, exceptional work. So this this team that comes, is this a group that's been trained like the accreditation team visitors, or, or is this part of um, So So yes, there is a training provided, it, it, you know, different. So not ACCJC, this is Chancellor's Office, and it's coordinated um, through a consultant, and um, it's being run out of the College of the Canyons. That? Where do they get the volunteers for these teams? So it's, it's volunteers. So any of us could write to the Chancellor's Office or College of the Canyons and say, I'm an expert in data analysis or the scorecard and if somebody or enrollment management and if someone, um, if an, a campus has a, an IEP request that's related to that, then they would contact you to see if it. And so the chancellor's office makes the decision on who they accept as a. Right. There, there's a process that, so the process and, um, I, if it's not laid out in that, um, the document that I did attach, it, it might have been in material that I provided back in May. Um, is that the uh, t to trigger the IEP review, um, the um, CEO writes a letter of interest outlining the area of focus, and then they have presumably a group that reviews and then gives you the thumbs up or not, and then that's what triggers the need to write the um, detailed treatment document, which we did back in May, um, to provide more information so that they could drill down um, and have access to our uh, documents before they get here. Um, yeah, and I, I do know, I, I think uh, Ron, Eric, somebody might have the uh, recent numbers, but they, they started this in 2014-15, and so since the idea was that over a five-year period, every California community college would have the opportunity to have a team come per their, you know, request. Um, I think that on the order of maybe 40 have done it already, and I think that you know, as as word gets out and as more um, campuses put in their requests, then it's a little bit of a strain to get all the it, you know, because all the people that are volunteering for this, um, you know, are faculty and staff members from the California Community College System, so they have a real job on top of the um, great volunteer work that they're going to be doing for us. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you very much. All right. We're moving on to 11 consent calendar that's 11-1 to 11-7 inclusive is there a comments from any trustees that we need to pull one or all 11.5 11.5 college articulation and reverse articulation agreement with the University of Phoenix any others I'll ask Carly if you will take that as a action item it's it's uh, Yes, then it is uh, approved as presented, and we'll move 11.5 into the action items and wait for a renumbering of same. Thank you, and, and, and as we kind of cue this up, thank you. I received a question earlier and asked um, Eric to help me address that. So when it comes up, he can present for um, just kind of an overview. Yeah, rather than having to state the question, I think he can just launch. Okay.
So we're ready to go, I see. Curly, is that uh, 12.1 now as an action item? College articulation reverse articulation agreement with the University of Phoenix. Oh, are you guys ready for me to address it now? Yes, I, I, I apologize. I wasn't sure that I was on that I was being queued up there. Um, yeah, so so a question had come in about the nature of the articulation agreement with the University of Phoenix, um, given the, the the sometimes problematic status of the University of Phoenix uh, in the past. Um, so just uh, you know a couple of brief responses on that. Articulation agreements between institutions of higher education are. Um, extraordinarily common. We do this with just about any institution that will set up an articulation agreement with us. Um, nothing in, in this particular agreement uh, requires or promotes a student to, to go to that particular program. It's an option among the many uh, dozens of options that are available for our associate degree nursing students. What this particular one does is that it provides um, a financial um, a, a, a discount for the student essentially in going to that, um, this institution has both on-campus and online programs. They have an on-campus program and on-the-ground program in Fairfield um, that many of the nursing students would be utilizing if they so chose to utilize that articulation agreement to do that. But this is a, this is a fairly standard um, um, agreement that we set up. and we, we do articulation agreements with all of the public higher education institutions, and we do a lot with private institutions as well. Um, uh, this particular one just also happens to come with some financial incentive for the student if they so choose to take that option. But the degree, the degree that they would be receiving, the uh, BSN degree, the uh, Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree, uh, that they would receive as a result of going to going to this uh, school and completing that program is an accredited degree, and it's it's um, as accepted as any other degree would be from any other institution. The, the major public institution that, would, that our students go to would be Sonoma State University. But one of the things that you'll find with nursing programs around the state is that capacity is low and demand is high. And so students that are coming out of an associate's program um, that really want to go on to the bachelor's program really need to have any option available for them that's out there that's reasonable and that provides the education they need so that they can get to work as quickly as possible at the level that they want to work at. So. Something like this provides an option for students. Um, okay, so Sonoma State's the only public option they have right now in the area. Are there? Are we pursuing any other public options as far as um, students being able to articulate with nursing? Yeah. So, so articulation in the nursing in the nursing field. And please stop me if I'm going down the rabbit hole because um, uh, I do like to talk about articulation and curriculum. Uh, but uh, articulation with nursing programs can be difficult because the, the nature of the nursing program varies radically. There are standards that are established by the Board of Registered Nurses for a program, but how the, uh, any individual program enacts that in terms of the number of courses, the types of courses, the number of units that are involved for the student varies widely. We, we will articulate our courses with any other institution of higher education that will articulate them with us. It's really on the receiving institution not on us to establish that articulation. It is in their agreement with us. So Sacramento State University also has a, a nursing program that is an option for students as well. Um, this last year I worked with the statewide association, um, uh, the statewide group that was working on um, articulation and transfer for nursing students around the state. And this is um, uh, a persistent issue that you don't get the same sort of course-to-course -course articulation that you often get with like a psychology program or something like that because the course 
the courses vary widely between institutions, but there's a lot of options out there for students. This is just one among many uh, options that are out there. And we have articulation agreements with other institutions as well. This would not be the only option that we have where we have some sort of standing agreement or articulation. Yes. Yes, Maria. Been back. I can't hear you from back there at all. I don't know about everybody else. I'm the only hard of hearing person, but not one word of that was. Maria, you might, just for um, the public's, um, um, introduce who you are and, and your and your spot. So Maria Biddenbeck, I'm a professor in nursing, associate degree program. And just to add to what Eric had to share, uh, nursing is a profession that has worked very Diligent with trying to get courses that are very similar between the universities so that students are not having to repeat courses uh, from the associate degree program or also repeat clinical time. They do get credit. And one of the things that University of Phoenix has offered to our students is that they're able to enroll while they're still pursuing their associate degree nursing a degree. So that enables them to be able to finish like a year after they've graduated from our program rather than spending another two years trying to get a bachelor's degree. I guess, um, I mean, I, I followed a little bit what happened with, with recently with their, um, them being sanctioned, but when I Googled them, I guess just what came up is just the many lawsuits that have been launched against them and accusations of, you know, predatory behavior. And you seem like the worst example of, you know, a for-profit education, and I understand wanting to give options to students, but not if we're setting them up, um, you know, to be, I don't know, to go to an institution that's not on the up and up, and that's what my concern well, is. Well, I can certainly understand the concern, but they are accredited through the BRN, and uh, pretty much from a nursing standpoint, we look for that accreditation. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sending our students there. So I, I know it's on the receiving end, do they have to come to us and, and offer to work with us, or do we choose? Do we also seek out um, these kinds of partnerships where we can kind of choose the kinds of institutions we would want um, to partner been with? We've been doing both, and um, quite a few years ago we submitted a grant so that we could do a collaborative between Sonoma State and five other community colleges. We were one of the uh, colleges that received funding for that grant so that we can see what we could do about getting students to um, be in our program and then also be taking bachelor's degree courses so that they could finish their degree sooner rather than much later. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Maria, Thank you. for addressing this. We have been back, Professor Nursing. I move approval of this item. Second. And moved and properly seconded. Are we going electronic on this, Curly? Yes, we are. My, uh, I didn't put open my laptop today, so I'm not. You, I can record your vote if you like. Thank you. Aye. <laughs> oh. 
I don't have the option to vote. Um, you might press F5 to refresh your screen. Because this was a reordered item, it might not be. Sorry. How about now? Amy? Yeah, I vote. There it is. I'm going to abstain from my vote. Um, it is um, all in favor except Amy Martinson, who abstains. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. 12.2. The budget development values and assumptions, 2017-2018. So these uh, budget values and assumptions are coming from the budget committee. Uh, the budget committee approved these on September 30th. This is to kick off or to establish the uh, parameters for our 2017-2018 budget development process. A couple of things. First of all, um, Maria Biddenbach is also here as the faculty co-chair of the budget committee. So she's wearing two hats tonight. Uh, also, these uh, budget values, um, budget development values and assumptions for the 16-17 budget were a similar set. Uh, was presented to you in February of this year at the same time as the planning priorities from the planning committee were presented. Now, this is coming to you without planning priorities because the planning priorities you uh, agreed to that you approved in February were for two years. So they covered both the 16-17 budget and the 17-18 budget. We're bringing the budget development values and assumptions to you early this year because the one thing that came out of the 16-17 budget development process was that people felt they wanted more time. And we're really moving toward, as Robin said, this year-round planning process. And so we are hoping the budget committee will be meeting on October 28th. The planning committee will be meeting on October 21st. And we're hoping to kick off the 17-18 budget development process on October 31st, or at least the week of October 31st, to give people additional time to go through that planning process. I also call to your attention, these um, budget development values and assumptions are almost identical to the ones that you approved in February for the 16-17 process. There's one exception, and that's in the area of fiscal stability, and it is that third paragraph under Section 2, fiscal stability. Wording is a little different this year. As always, the Chancellor's Office asks us to maintain a minimum 5% reserve. Uh, we were asked last year as an institution by the Chancellor's Office Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative, which we refer to as IIPI that uh, we should set short-term and long-term goals. And the long-term goal that the Budget Committee set for our reserve is a 12% goal um, to be achieved by fiscal year 21-22. 
And so what we're what the budget committee is proposing as a budget development goal for the 17-18 budget development process is to move toward a 10% reserve as a result of uh, the 17-18 budget development process. Any questions? Move approval. Second. Approval properly seconded. Watch your screen for the latest update. Joanne, you vote in favor. I yes, thank you. It's a unanimous in favor. Thank you very much. So the ratification of the financial documents, 12.3, general fund, child care fund, capital outlay project. Question? Move approval. Oh, I had a question. So this, is it just that piece or the actual, the, the document that's attached as well that we're looking at right now, the register? Okay. First of all, um, I just wanted to thank Bob Parker for adding the description of each item and I'll make his job easier because you won't have to answer my questions. So thank you. Um, and I know there's been requests from the public as well to know what certain items are. So I think that'll make your life easier. So um Appreciate that. And um, I just had a question. If it's confidential, you don't have to answer it. But I actually asked it in an email, and I didn't get a response. I was just wondering what the $53,000 were to Wells Fargo Insurance for a blanket accident. So that refers to back, I believe it was at the June board meeting, the board approved entering into a contract with Wells Fargo to provide our student accident insurance coverage which is something that we're required to have, certainly for our sports teams, but just for uh, students in general. Um, the move, uh, we moved this year from uh, student accident insurance, which was our previous provider, to Wells Fargo because the rate was a slightly better under, coverage the same and rate was slightly better. So what you see on the warrant register uh, today is that payment for the one-year uh, student accident insurance coverage? I thought there was an accident with the blanket. We had to pay out fifty-three thousand dollars. So, I was like, what is this? <laughs> Thank you. It was quite a blanket. Is there? A... I made the motion, didn't I? I yes. Think. Yeah. Here a second. Moved and properly seconded. Is unanimous in favor? Twelve point. 12.4, approval of the spring semester 2017 and summer session 2017 academic calendar. Move to approve. Moved and properly seconded. Carly's working on it. 
Unanimous in favor. Thank you very much. 12.5, the copier proposal with Inland Business Systems. So we're bringing forward tonight a proposal to lease uh, copiers for campus-wide leasing of copiers. Uh, Inland Business Systems has been providing our leased copiers uh, for the past four years. Copiers are going off lease November 1st, so it was time for us to renew that lease. Uh, Inland brought forward a proposal to us that allowed us for the same price that we were paying for the current bank of copiers to include three additional copiers. Two of them allow us to replace three 10-year-old Savin copiers that are uh, have been providing service for a long time in our health occupations area and are really unserviceable at this point. And it also allows us to provide a copier to replace a, um, a dying printer and to provide additional uh, uh, support to the Child Development Center. So for the same price that we were paying for the existing bank of copiers, we're getting three additional copiers as well as replacing the copiers on campus. Move approval. I'll second. I had a question, though. Yes, go ahead, please, Kyle. Is it cheaper to lease than to buy printers? It actually is cheaper because what it allows us to do, because, for example, the um, the 10-year-old Savins that were actually purchased um, with some grant money 10 years ago, they are now, the service contracts on those are uh, increasingly more expensive. The uh, ability to, the, the supplies for those copiers increases, the cost of the supplies for those copiers increases every year as they age. Really, the useful life for a copier is about four to five years, and so we would should really be looking at refreshing those copiers every four to five years anyway. So doing it through a lease, we're getting uh, the supplies, we're getting the maintenance, and we are getting new copiers um, throughout state-of-the-art copiers throughout the college. Been moved and seconded. That is unanimous in favor. Thank you very much, Caroline. 12.6, the resolution in support of revisions to the business and profession code. Move approval. Second. Questions? Approved and properly seconded. Moved and properly seconded. Amy, are you? Thank you. It's unanimous in favor. Thank you very much. Now to 12.7, I advise the bylaws of the District Auxiliary Services Foundation Board of Directors. Dr. Kraft. Hi. Um, I think the maybe I'll just call on Carol Lee as managing director, but um, the basic change which we can go to is here. I think I had brought it to your attention early on, um, maybe even a couple years ago, and we discussed, you know, whether or not a trustee 
would be whether the district auxiliary services would be well served by having a trustee on that. And I think you discussed it broadly. We talked about it. Um, I, I felt it was something looking at kind of the, the effective practices um, up and down the, the state to have a trustee there. I think especially as DAS starts starts to be proving its its revenue generating capacity, I, I just want to make sure we have very open, transparent conversations. So the board is at that at that table, literally. Um, and this reflects the Viticulture and um, the VWT Foundation as well. You know, so it's 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 kind of a mirror reflection. Um, I think that change outside of um, changing the word services to affairs to recognize Oscar's kind of position there. Um, uh, and there are a couple of typos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the other ones are not material. They're just small pieces. But this is the major the major change. This member described, right, so this trustee down here is on this underline will serve, shall serve one year, be appointed by the, by the board. Um, and generally it's been your notion that it's the board chair who makes these appointments, so whoever would serve in that role, I would, I would assume, would continue to do that. So that's the that's the main piece here. It's not really about the resolution, but how, how often does DAS meet? Does it meet? The quarterly at least. Quarterly? Yeah. So will that person be bringing back a report? I think it'd be great. That, to the I board? think we'd add that as a, you know, obviously the chairs, but be a subcommittee report then and... Absolutely. Yeah. That's how it was before. Yeah, and I think it's already actually built into the agenda as of today's meeting. And later you will be considering an appointment for this position. Yeah. Do I hear a motion and a second? Move to approve. Second. Move and properly seconded by Chair Lee. Thank you. Joanne, are you in favor? Unanimous in favor. Thank you. Moving to 12.7, it's the uh, revision, second reading and adoption of the new and revised field board policies, board policy 2360 regarding minutes. And board policy 2730, trustee health benefits. There were some minor changes made at the last meeting that have been implemented for health benefits. Rent up to the same rate. I guess. Um. The note at the bottom, it says that we would be implementing the video in fall 2016, but we heard tonight that it wouldn't be until January 2017, so I'm just wondering if we should change that. Oh, sorry. I guess I move that we approve it with that change, if that's when we're going to be implementing it. Well, it'll be December, so... That's the fall yeah, semester. I, yeah. <laughs> the fall semester. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, is that okay? Because I yeah. think that's what. Okay. okay. It that's meets fine. the technical. Yeah. It's also not part of the policy. It's just an explanatory. I move to approve. Second. Second. And this is for both or one. Uh, I 
could do both together, or yes, however you want to do it. If you're we do. still curious. Does it matter for you, Carly? No, no, it's fine. Okay, good. Did you for a second? Second. Second. Raphael. You don't. I'm voting no. So the motion carries with Joanne Busenbark and Kyle Iverson voting against. Thank you very much. Voting to 13.1. Point member to the District Auxiliary Services Foundation Board of Directors. Uh, the Newly adopted changes suggest December at the December meeting. Is there a meeting scheduled between now and then? There is a meeting in mid-November. Mid-November. <laughs> and what times of days are these usually? They're typically at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. During the Monday through Friday. Correct. And I'm sorry, I don't have any favored day. Usually a Tuesday or Thursday, I believe. We have a bit of flexibility, but, yeah. Any one trustee here uh, would like to do that for uh, one month? Report back. Don't overkill. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> That's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so That's excellent. Yeah, good. All right. Thank you. It's good. You'll like it. 30-day uh, drive, yeah. Yeah, uh, right. money back. Uh, well, no, wait a minute. All right, uh, Kyle, you are yeah, one month. Congratulations. Kyle Iverson. Thirteen point two, standing committee and other appointment reports. And we have uh, number one, Viticulture and Winery Foundation Board of Directors, Rafael Rios. I have nothing to report. Either we still have not had a meeting, or I just missed the announcement because I have not been receiving all the email coming from the college. Uh, we have not met. <laughs> it's again quarterly, and there is one coming up in November. So we'll make good. sure you Thank get you. that. <laughs> Very good. The Redevelopment Oversight Committee. Uh, the the committee did meet uh, this month and uh, finalized the purchase of the Fire Museum on, uh, uh, on Main Street. Uh, the buyer, after doing some review of the building and the, the the purchase price was $2.3 million. And uh, after, you know, looking at it, make sure that earthquake damage is somewhere uh, about a 2.1, a little over that, is what they ended up with the purchase price. And as I'd mentioned before, this building was purchased with HUD funds, which means that the $2.1 million has to go back to, it does not, get divided up amongst the entity, educational entities, uh, 
but goes back to the Community Development Block Grant uh, uh, Program, which the city manages. And it's a, it's a fund that does repairs for disabled folks. As somebody now needs a, a ramp, so the, those are the small items. The city will probably use it to do some additional curb cut work or maybe even some sidewalk, but it, it's not anything... Uh, that will come back to the educational entities in any way. So the only thing that's left uh, is the um, the bond projects that weren't all the way paid off. So there won't be another meeting until February next year, I think. February 17th is when it's scheduled. Does this committee need to continue with your retirement? Uh, I... I, somebody from the college needs to, uh, you know, represent uh, part of the the way the governor set it up. So yes, you'll Very need good. you'll need a. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know that there won't meet again until February, so you have plenty of time to yeah. to do that. Can't wait to hear your nomination. The one other uh, committee that I sit on that. Just because nobody else <laughs> wanted to, is an APA TV board. And uh, we have used somebody affiliate, you know, that would uh, communicate with the college for that if there wasn't a board member. that would. It's actually supposed to be a staff person. And uh, Betty Malmgren left, yes. and, and uh, nobody wanted to pick it up. So I haven't sat on that board before, so I'm, I'm currently doing that as well. And... Depending, you know, you may find staff that want to do it, but I am willing to continue until you find somebody to uh, to replace me. You're irreplaceable, Joanne. So let's uh, move to thank you for that that uh, uh, legislative affairs committee with Guardi, Mancuso, Iverson, and Sanchez. Dan, um, Mr. Chair. Yes. I think we missed item miss twelve point six. Which really? was the recommendation of the Legislative Affairs Committee. Oh. And I'm not sure quite how that happened. I don't even see it on the agenda. Yeah, I don't see it either. I'm talking about the paper one. That, yeah. Yeah, and um, the vote is kind of glitching. It says you did vote on it. Yeah. But you did. We did vote. We voted on 12.5. This is 12.6. We voted on that. I think I was, um, yes. Okay. Did we vote on 12.6, though? Because we got into a conversation. And we did, because I uh, moved (laughs) approval of that. May we proceed? Please. Yes, we may proceed. We're at the legislative. 
Affairs Committee. Was that Kyle? Were you? Yes, we did meet and we discussed the fermentation, uh, the process of doing a, a brewery here at the college, and uh, we also discussed this resolution that we had just voted on. And if I might, can I add something, Chair? Sure. Yes. Okay. Which chair? Um, <laughs> so what we, our purpose in having these discussions and putting this resolution forth was it's not necessarily that this is going to uh, take place, or but as a legislative committee, we are just looking at legislation that could benefit uh, community colleges as a whole and especially in the region. So, um, you know, we looked at this as something that we should encourage legislators to do, but that has nothing to do with where we would be here um, at the college. And, Dan, yeah, it's kind of just to set the table in case we do want to. To proceed there, and it, the the point of this resolution is to send it to the legislature to let them know of of our general interest in in the concept. So it's not as if we have decided we're going forward with with brewing. It's it's before we go forward with brewing, should we choose to do so, we have to set the groundwork, and that's what this is about. We weren't stepping on any toes, so to speak, here at the college. <laughs> I also I, I came in late. Pardon me, but I, I had another issue. But the um, I've also spoken with um, the CEO at Santa Rosa JC, and and they're very interested in the same legislation. So it, he encouraged me also, and that's why it reads community colleges rather than a, a specific NBC piece. So the result result is the committee recommend is recommending this to the board for approval. Which we already did. You uh, yes. Great. Outstanding job. Still got on the Mr. report, is that correct? Well, I was just going to touch base on the fact that we also discussed um, mental health, which kind of led to reaching out to Rob and having Mentis come in and, and discuss that. Uh, it's an area, it's a societal issue that I think is in the spotlight, so to speak, right now, and it's something that uh, I'd like to have accessible for our students here on campus. So we're going to look at that as a future area of discussion. And one other thing we discussed that we didn't come to a conclusion with that we we discussed creating a draft proposal for a baccalaureate. Obviously, it's not new business here, but it was under discussion with the committee. Very good. Audit committee. Actually, next week. we will have a report next month. Next okay. month, yeah. Before the next meeting. But we haven't met since the last time you asked. 
So the District Auxiliary Services Board of Directors, uh, number five. Will we have in the future access to the minutes, or what? Uh, how will that work, Carolyn? Um, that board is also subject to the Brown Act, so all of the minutes and agendas are posted on the District Auxiliary Services Foundation website. Thank you very much for that information. Any other questions? All right. And our committee reports, that would be the Board of Trustees, Board Policy. Raphael. Um, we don't have anything at this point. I did attempt to confer with my committee members, but given my email issues, that did not work. So we're trying to determine if um, any of us has seen any reviewed the rest of the policies to see if we need to make any corrections or or anything, and we'll try to, to confer again this coming month. Yeah, thank you. I, I have on that, uh, Tara, and um, I know this is putting you on the spot, but or perhaps it's Mr. Parker, on those, that board policy that we just how do you read that? Is, is that, given Joanne, is that retroactive, or, or is that changes immediately, or because she was on the board prior to that adoption? Is it for new trustees going forward, or is it instantly, immediately, that changes relative to some person elsewhere? Well, because I qualify for lifetime health benefits as an employee, you haven't been, there's nothing been coming Nothing's out of changed. this for, yeah, I mean, yeah. because I was covered before, and I'll just, uh, you know, there was no, in other words, nothing doubled up, uh, you know, with the vision and the dental, uh, you know, I had what I had, so actually saved the district money by sitting here for 12 years. Thank you. Oh, you'll get a bill. And now you're leaving. Yeah. You'll get a bill. <laughs> Those are 10%. All right, very good. Um, Sorry. We, one of the things you were going to check into was did existing policy on reimbursements cover any, or did we need a separate AR just for this, or did what you have that's in existence uh, work for this? So what we have in existence would cover this as well, so there's no need for an additional uh, uh, AR that would cover this particular policy. So is it just that they're within a budget cycle or where um, kind of relative to what he's so reimbursements? So is the I'm sorry, I'm not well, sure. I, understand I guess what the I'm question. asking is like the original question is, is it have to happen every month or, you know, every three months or just within as long as it's within a budget cycle, these that people are providing you documentation to get reimbursed. So our existing would be within a budget cycle. So um, we would certainly encourage people not to wait until the end of a budget cycle, but as long as it's within the budget cycle, that's, uh, that is uh, reimbursable and acceptable. Thank you. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you both. Participation. Uh, 14, the continuance of closed session as needed. We determined that we do not need that. Announcements of future meetings. I'm sorry. Oh, I missed the trustee board chair reports on 13-4. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Good for you. <laughs> we need a oversight committee here, I think. I'm sorry. I was trying to get you out of here on time. 
Let's start with Kyle. I uh, attended the police academy graduation. That's a, a great graduation, great ceremony. I would suggest anyone that hasn't gone to go to it. It's great seeing uh, the cadets graduate and have jobs, and law enforcement has a lot of attention right now, and I, I see a lot of honor in going into that field. So I also am I'm just happy with the direction of the college right now, and I think that there's a lot of good things on the horizon. Congratulations to Diana, and Maria's not here, but... I'm, I'm happy with the direction of things right now. So that's it. Thank you very much. Marianne. I also want to say congratulations to Maria, to Diana, and also my friend Nancy Tamarisk, who wasn't here this evening. Um, I also went to the police academy. I agree, it's one of those I never miss. It's always very emotional, especially when you see a brother or father or somebody's pitting a badge on a relative and I get all teary-eyed and um and then oh and then I I just want to um I just want to mention that last week I was at a political event which I'm at a lot of those these days and I met a young woman who is a student here and she praised and praised her professor. And her professor is Amanda Badgett. <laughs> and her name is Esperanza. She's just amazing, mature, wonderful, somebody that, um, you know, it just, and, and really, I see a lot of students here that seem to be that type of person that has a great future, and Esperanza is definitely one of them, but she really praised her professor, and I was just beaming. We love her, too. Um, so the Workforce Alliance of the North Bay, I haven't quite gotten used to saying that yet, but it's um, moving right along. We had our first get-together just mostly to meet uh, our new board members, because as everybody knows, the old workforce investment boards are gone, and uh, we uh, signed this joint powers agreement with Marin, and so now we're Marin, Lake, and Napa, and uh, we have a retreat next Thursday, so I'm looking forward to telling you, you know, to kind of letting everybody know what's happening there. Maybe I can even get Bruce to come in and uh, do a little presentation, ask him to contact you, Ron. Sure. I think it would be really great to uh, uh, to know more because I think it's the new direction is going to be a really great partnership. And um, I think that's it. Other than I'm going to try to figure out this week how to work in Aipa Pert into a conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Marianne. Joanne? Um, I was at the Police Academy graduation. It's one I try not to miss because there's, uh, well, the health occupations are the same because so many of them are employed when they go through graduation, and that's, uh, that, you know, I think is one of the reasons that 
that uh, well, it's one of the reasons that I sit here, just to do you know move the next generation uh, forward. So uh, uh, that's always a, a, a plus. Um, I currently sit on the Napa City of Napa Senior Center uh, Advisory Committee, and I'm hoping. Uh, I've had some brief conversation with uh, uh, the director for the Upper Valley Center, uh, and I'm hoping that uh, in terms of non-credit, you know, kind of classes that that uh, that we would have a better connection. There is a new director. Uh, uh, she's the supervisor for Park and Rec. Katrina, um, I'll I'll email um, give that give that information to her. But it's, we need a stronger connection. Their adult ed is going in, but we you know uh, need to do that. And uh, my last comment would be to you, Carol Lee. Um, you know the old dog new trick things. I got two more months. I'm not going to be using this. So. <laughs> You can just leave it in the closet for the my replacement. No problem. Okay. I'm not frustrating myself with a new computer technique. So that's it. Well, um, you know, I've talked about the TIP program quite a bit, and last Saturday was the orientation for TIP. So I'm pretty excited. It's off and running now. Next week will be. Uh, it, it was uh, exciting to uh, actually see it take off the ground and, and not just be the concept. Uh, other than that, my other activities have been, as you have heard described as the silly season. So <laughs> out defending the reputation of the board and by extension the reputation of the college. Is there any... Uh, Report from Kelsey, Carolyn, that uh, Kelsey Hadfield, the student representative. I know she has classes and conflicts, and she'd be here if she could. Amy, please. Um, I went to the suicide prevention conference that was held recently at the college, uh, which was very well attended and interesting. Um, people shared powerful stories of overcoming depression and suicide. Um, suicidality. Um, and for me, the main benefit was networking with some of the people who presented and, and that I ran into there in terms of future suicide prevention efforts. Uh, second thing, uh, recently the Napa Valley College counselors have reached out to the high school counselors for a meeting this month to discuss artic articulation, which we've never done before. Um, we've had the, you know, the all-counselor breakfast, but that's more, you know, presentations uh, that we're listening to. So um, I think this will be the first time that the Napa Valley College counselors and high school counselors have got together to talk about articulation, um, which I think will be great, and how we can work together um, to help students transition from high school to college. Um, future agenda items are kind of related to that, um, and it's something that I want to discuss at that meeting. Um, I'm interested in finding out if Napa Valley College has considered adopting the Early Assessment Program, or EAP, uh, which utilizes a test that all 11th grade high school students take, uh, the CASP, um, to identify students who are not college ready so that schools can intervene uh, before they go to college. Um, 
this isn't my actual report, but uh, Cal Maritime has approached uh, Valley Oak, for example, um, to use those scores to identify those students, to try to work with those students uh, with us um, to help them uh, do some remedial work. And I'd like to see more of a partnership with the college um, to do that. Uh, with the, Lastly, I know there's been several references to statements that have been made in the press recently. Um, personally, I'm concerned about uh, statements that have been made by college leadership in the press that I, I don't believe are factual um, regarding accreditation or accreditation status. And um, most recently, um, a statement that was made that said that we the board has never adopted a deficit budget. Um, I looked up deficit budgets in the dictionary, and all the definitions say the same thing, that it's when revenues, uh, when expenditures exceed revenue. Um, based on that, we did adopt deficit budgets in 2014-2015, which was, uh, it was to be about $1.1 million over. Uh, and then again in 2015-2016, which would have been about $1.8 million over. So, um, you know, I think what's important is, yes, we want to represent the college well, but we want to be accurate in our statements to the public. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Raphael. Well, thank, thank you to all of you for getting out there this past month and doing all of those things. And I don't know if it's that I didn't do anything or I just don't remember because I turned 50 this last month. So, um, you know. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I, I, I don't really have a, um, a report. Uh, um, I do actually want to, though, just take a, a second to respond to something that uh, Amy has just said in her, in her report. And, I mean, she didn't read the whole thing here, but some of the stuff she said in here, I, I certainly agree that we, we need to get on the same page. Um, there's a lot of which is, to me, seems like accusations going back and forth. A lot of it seems like we're not talking about the same thing or, or we're not understanding each other as to what we're saying. And, again, because this, this, it's not just about affecting us, it's about how it affects the students in the end. And so I would like to see us resolve those issues in, in a positive way. Um, so... I'll leave my, my comments at that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Raphael. I've done uh, a few things. One, uh, uh, Eric, your, your comment about Fane Hancock. I've, I've known her as long as I've been at the college, and she touched my uh, nephew, who's a computer genius when he left here was offered a job by Stanford and without any a job not just a brilliant guy but she took him and uh, and hit him on some place in his arts and it caused him to retool in a positive way he's I'm very proud of him he's he manages a paint store but but I mean that's you don't. You have to understand um, that this is this is fantastic, and, and I owe it. I know I owe it to, to Fane. You know, he turned around. 
And nothing against Stanford, Cardinal. <laughs> Go Cal. Uh, police Academy, absolutely. Um, just uh, we've heard it. You've said it so eloquently that is it is it is something to support and to be there and understand, and participate in. The um, I met with the one of the partners uh, of the uh, Noble House, which owns the wine train now, and they talked about a whole litany of things, and so I gave that contact information to Ron, but they talked about, well, we have culinary, and, and this is a, a worldwide organization, they have operations worldwide, and also right here in Napa now. And they were talking about everything from welding to culinary arts to to uh, uh, hotel and restaurant management, not uh, cleaning positions or anything like that, but the possibility of, of a synergistic connection with the college. Um, and it's worthy of exploration. The, uh, and, and quite exciting, actually, as far as potential. So I gave him another glass of wine. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, the, the, the comments, that, and I, Amy, your, your board report, I know you mentioned uh, that this was a personal comment, but you're sitting there. And, and Raphael, I, I think we all agree that, that whether it's semantics or what are we talking about is very important, particularly what's communicated and how it's understood out in the in the uh, in our community, uh, so that internal dialogue needs to be consistent with the understanding and the external. Um, and, and I and and today, uh, you know, coincidentally, I and I make an analogy as to what's what's happened here with with Diana joining a, the Wild Side and and, uh, and Nancy and, and certainly we have. Is that today was the, the cornerstone of the, uh, the White House was laid, and I think we've got a pretty good foundation here going forward for some solid and, and positive results. And I, I look at Oscar over there; he's kind of the cornerstone. He's been here longer than all, but I, I'm I'm delighted with, with with where we're at. And I think we indeed we have that foundation. So, thank you. The um, uh, and I'm sorry if I've been a little out of place, but uh, but I won't go there. Uh, the fifteen one uh, audit committee meeting on November 10, twenty sixteen, and uh, we have a special meeting tomorrow, four thirty p.m. right here. And we have our uh, regular meeting of the Board of Trustees on uh, Thursday, the 10th of uh, November, 2016. And we'll probably have a workshop at that, at that meeting. Um, I'd like to adjourn the meeting and to all those that have mentored us in one way or another. So I'll just take a moment. Think about that. And I hear a buyer during the meeting. <laughs>